There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 853. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. So uh, with the help of Squarespace tackling your next move... Uh, it might not be as difficult as it seems. So if you have an idea, if you want to start any kind of anything, any type of online uh, presence, a business or a store or whatever you want, they will actually give you the ability to create that platform. And that will make your next big idea known to the world. This internet thing is feels like it's catching on, Katie. I think a little bit. Uh, I don't I've know. heard about it. The jury's still out. Yeah. But, a lot of know, people talking about it. Be an early adopter. Get on this internet while it's while it's developing, yes. <laughs> uh, with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating your website is a simpler, intuitive process. You know, if someone had never listened to the podcast before and they heard that, do you think they would think I was being literal? Like, does he really think the internet is? I think so. They'd really be like, "Wow, so. he is living under a never, rock." Never, never underestimate <laughs> <laughs> the public, by and large, inability to get when you're trying to like clearly be sarcastic. <laughs> I am clearly being sarcastic. It is time. For you to make your internet thing. The internet's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Unless it becomes self-aware and kills all the humans. It's not going anywhere. That could happen. It could. So you know what? Get in early. Be friends with happens. the internet. Don't be its foe. <laughs> Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code NERDIS to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this podcast. What do you have on the old uh, Nerds Community Corkboard? I got a couple things. First of all, a, a uh, frequent guest on our Bachelor-themed podcast called Will You Accept This Rose, which if you watch The Bachelor, you need to l- listen to this podcast. Uh, Kirsten Vangsness, who is also on Criminal Minds, wrote oh, she's great. In yep. it, she's so great, right? She wrote is, and is starring in her own play. It's called Mess, and it's uh, Thursday through Sundays right now until February 25th at the Theater of Note in L.A. It's only $20. It's getting great reviews. Tickets and info can be found at theaterofnote.com. And theater is spelled R-E. Theatra. Yes, like the British way. That's really awesome that she did that. I don't know. This is what what people are supposed to do. You know, you have an idea. You got to make a thing. You got to put up in front of people. That's what's. I I feel like it's risky to not do that. And and speaking of making things, the second thing is David Keeley wrote. And he said, although I'm not a maker of things, he is a consumer of things and he is married to an awesome maker. His wife, Cheryl, has her first picture book coming out on February 15th. It's called A Book of Bridges, From Here to There and Me to You. It's aimed at four to eight-year-olds and addresses the technical way bridges connect us as well as the heartfelt way we connect as human beings. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and many local bookstores. Or you can find it on Cheryl Keeley, that's C-H-E-R-Y-K-E-E-L-Y dot com. 
great. And then I will be at the Irvine Improv uh, March 3rd and 4th. Oh, awesome. Doing shows Friday and Saturday night there. My buddy Mike Furman's going to be there. I think Abel Ooh. Richardson's going to be there. That's going to be a fun uh, show. But they should be really fun. Yeah. There was a second where I thought I wasn't <laughs> the, the, I had scheduled the shows. They sold tickets. And then uh, when we got the pickup for the wall, we thought we might be shooting okay. in March. So <laughs> yeah. they jumped the gun a little bit and pulled the show down. But it's back. We it, The wall is not shooting March 3rd or 4th. So it is, uh, it's, all, it's all intact. But, uh, but I'm excited. I haven't actually done like club shows in a, in a while. Yeah. Uh, and they're the best because that's, that's where you really get to play with the crowd and yeah. fuck around and get a lot of, get a lot of fun material. So, uh, yes, Irvine, California, Irvine Improv, March 3rd and 4th. Uh, just go. I'm sure there's – if you just look up Irvine, Irvine Improv, Improv yeah. yeah, then you'll, then you'll, you'll get to it. Right but there. this episode is Pete Holmes. Who? I don't know him. I don't know him. Well, uh, he's a guy that you sit across from a lot when you produce his You Made It Weird podcast here on the Nervous oh, Network. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Oh, my God. He laughs loud. <laughs> he does this. <laughs> ah! That guy. Uh, people thought I was serious. I, <laughs> like, you know, she again, doesn't know who he is. How could she not know? She sits at... God, what is wrong with her? What is wrong with her? Uh, but uh, Pete uh, has... Speaking of making uh, your own thing... Pete went out and made Crashing, directed by Judd Apatow, and it is premiering this Friday on HBO at 10.30, and it'll be on HBO Go and HBO Now. So, uh, great job, Pete it Holmes. It looks and so good. Good good job. And, and you know what I love about, what's fun about having a podcast, like a fellow podcaster on, you know, besides just another comedian, but having someone who has a really defined podcast voice mm-hmm. is when you have a podcast guest on it it becomes it be, the episode becomes a hybrid version of those two podcasts. Yeah. So this is really without being three hours long. This is really like a hybrid of a like <laughs> you a made you it made it nerdist, <laughs> you know, was. or nerdist made it weird. But it uh, you I got know confused. I was like, which one am I? <laughs> well, it runs God. the gamut of like you know just dumb pun jokes and fucking around to like all of a sudden we're you know. Deep in a yeah. Marianas trench of Suddenly talking, talking about, about spirituality and, yeah. or like you know uh, <laughs> existentialism, and then back to dick jokes. So uh, <laughs> it was really, really, really fun chat. And uh, and Pete is uh, Pete's Pete's making stuff. He's making stuff. So He's watch his show. It. Watch his so his show. Also, crashing. his specials on HBO. Specials so. on HBO as well. Yes, yeah, so you can still watch that. Yeah, and you should see him live if you if you get oh, the yeah, opportunity. And listen to you made it weird. Please. Oh, now you remember what it is. Now you remember what it is. Now that guy. I forgot for a second. (laughs) This episode also brought to you by Stamps.com. Postage rates have gone up again, which means trips to the post office are even bigger pain in the butt. Or, you know, if you you buy stamps the old-fashioned way and they're not the right amount anymore, you'll have to go back and get more or use more postage than you normally would. You know, it really sucks to have to use two stamps to just make up for like a penny. So uh, just use stamps.com. Eliminate all of the hassle. It'll calculate the exact postage you need for any letter or package that you need to send. Uh, It brings all the services of the U.S. Post Office right to your fingertips. Makes it very easy. They're going to send you a digital scale. It's going to automatically calculate the postage, and they're even going to help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. They're going to be like a, a, a postage concierge just for you. Katie, did you just break your phone? I just dropped it. This is why we it's have fine. cases. 
This it's is fine. why we it's have fine. cases. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like your attorney convention. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, is, is, it, is it fine? Looks okay. Uh, but anything you can do at the post office, you can do right from your desk. You can even try to break your phone. Stamps.com <laughs> will still be there to help you. Uh, right now, use the offer code NERDIST for a special four-week trial, including postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in NERDIST. That's Stamps.com into the promo code NERDIST. Sign up today. Never go to the post office again. Stay in your home. Stay in. <laughs> well, come out occasionally to say hi to other people. Yeah. Just don't do that at the post not office. Necessary. Do it in so. <laughs> what? Not at all. Nah. So you're anti. Anymore, you know no. you're out of the house right now. Did I just? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. Damn it. All right. <laughs> Katie's uh, got to scamper back to the safety of her home. Where's the dog? She's at home. I had to carry in uh, uh, the, all the waters and stuff, and I was just like, I'm just going to leave her at home. It's a lot to carry in. I mean, you know, I feel like I have like 13% ownership over your dog <laughs> just because of the times that she's... She was very mad at me when she saw me leaving. I know. Well, tell her I said hi. Does she talk about me? Did she ask <laughs> yes, about me? Yes, she did. Okay, good. I appreciate that. Um, I'm just going to send you a thing that says, hey, Scout, do you like me? Check yes or no, and then I'm just it'll you bring paw it back print. with like the paw print, in whichever <laughs> box. And I'm prepared that it could be no. Uh, so here we go, the Nerds Podcast number eight fifty three. Pete Holmes returns. Katie, go, roll the thing, and then you <laughs> then go back, and then you can go back to your house. Now entering nerdist.com. <laughs> I'm more of a colonist. You brought two people. Two These are people. all your people. These are not my people, Pete. I'm technically just an intern. <laughs> <laughs> this is yours. So yeah. <laughs> we didn't even get a real publicist, Pete. Get the fuck out. Wait, this is your publicist? This is she bo- she's the books that's the show. what she said, but then okay, then then and you're assistant. You're with me. Yeah. I did bring a publicist. You brought two people. <laughs> Jenna, I'm sorry. I thought you were with her. No! And you texted me. Pete, this game of I don't know who these people are is not going to fly. I right? I just out Tom Hanks. <laughs> yes, I brought a publicist, but I just thought she was a nice lady. One <laughs> future hit show. She's no! not even a hit yet, and you're bringing publicists. I'm in. more grounded than ever. Katie, does he pull this shit on You Made It Weird? I, Unbelievable. I grabbed an intern and a publicist. So this poor guy on the street, what are you doing? I That's was just right. lunch. You're an intern. Get in here. That's right. Does that mean I get paid? Of course not. All right. I guess I'll... Yeah. I guess that does seem a little weird. <laughs> I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have a publicist in the room. If you did my podcast, I would... I, you're welcome, I have done your podcast. Yeah, I know. I, if you were to bring a, a publicist to my podcast, I would have them wait... In the comic book shop. Yeah. <laughs> on this terrible Go Hollywood shopping. lot. Go shopping. There's no, you can't even get coffee on this lot. You can't too. There's, there's no coffee. Matt, you got to show the lunch counter. You got to meet Roland. You got to meet Roland. They're French. I'm the best. Our French barista. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so yeah, excited. There's no for one French he makes named a, Roland. He makes there's a croquemine. Roland. Roland. He, Roland. Makes, he makes amazing food. Really? A French guy can cook? <laughs> How dare you? Humor. Stop it. Name a country and I'll, I'll say something about them. <laughs> Argentina? Soccer! <laughs> just the worst crowd work. Uh, if, you ever watch, if you ever watch Shark Tank, because they're not... I watch it all the time. Don't, I love it too. 
they're not comedians, so they ju- they're just doing terrible, terrible crowd work. Someone will be like, it's a new surfboard. And, and someone's like, well, uh, you know, there's nothing proprietary about this, so surf's not up for me. <laughs> like, just like <laughs> barely anything. You know what, though? There is a 99% chance that those are all written. Oh, my God. And it's not even, so, which is, means it's not even crowd work. It's I like, know. Those are scripted. They you know. also it's it's like back in time. Like yeah. if a woman comes on and is like, uh, "This is a new padded bra that doesn't clasp in the back," they'll be like, "Barbara, try it on, sweetheart. <laughs> Get up there and bring back some ice." Like it's just the past, right? And now one of those is the breast. Mine's a popcorn maker. <laughs> oh, I have a kernel of a notion. No, <laughs> no. Oh, God. They must just be writing those fucking puns. I like when it's as simple as, "I don't like popcorn. This isn't for me. I'm out." Just yeah. oh. Just that's make it simple. So, it's just not my kind of product. Yeah. yeah. You think it might make millions of dollars, but it's just not for me. I don't yeah. like caramel corn. You know, I just get talk to your teeth. I don't have it's the whole thing. I'm a basic guy. Now, uh, if you expanded the business to include dentistry, <laughs> I'd be in. Has anyone pitched a shark tank to Shark Tank? No, not yet. It's a, like home, a, huge, it's a home shark tank, and you could really have a shark funny. in your house. Yeah. It's a tank for a shark. Damon's like, I love it. <laughs> I think that's an excellent di- I know Patrice O'Neill had sharks in his house. He did? Had shark tanks in his house. Like like big sharks or like like. I believe little... they were medium. You don't want a big shark. It's too much food. Sure you do. Then you have to have <laughs> all these that's pet, the problem pet with lambs. It. It's too... <laughs> <laughs> I got to feed the shark and then you're just hacking a lamb. Uh, are there bison in your living room? Yeah, I just, you it's, know. It's a gonna, thing. Yeah, don't worry about it. I have gators <laughs> but, in the kitchen. But they're in huge pets. Pet food bags. There's living bison crumpling in the I got some uh, garage Crocs. I have actual Crocs. My favorite part of Shark Tank is at the beginning it says, no, uh, I wish I had the language. Would you look it up, Katie? It's the the disclaimer at the beginning of Shark Tank because it's funny language. It says, no offer is being solicited to from the viewing audience. Like, who was watching? And they're like, I'll give you a million dollars. And they're at home like, I don't have a million dollars. Right. I can't do this. <laughs> oh, I didn't read the disclaimer. I don't, I don't have to shell up the cash. Oh, my. I was worried that I was going to have that. This was like. <laughs> this is how dumb we've become. Unintentional Kickstarter. Yeah. What? I have to do this now? Yeah. You watch. Surprise crowdfund. You watch. Sorry. You got to kick in. Fuck. That, that's basically what it says. Yeah. They had to say that in case you were worried. I don't have this kind of cash. I got to watch something else. It's so... uh, TV can see me too, right? It's so interesting to have a guest on that can utilize Katie's superpowers. Mm. That just knows to go, Katie, look (laughs) look back and forth. Well, I'm a a happy... We have joint custody today. (laughs) We're sharing joint custody of Katie's services. I call her Catherine sometimes. (laughs) Not her her name. Judging by the heavy sigh that... Well, she she knows the game, Chris. She, if she does a light sigh, it doesn't get picked up on the mics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no ever knows. No one ever knows. So I'm sorry. I talked about Shark Tank and all these silly things. Listen, it's I'm to see I'm you. excited. I'm I'm very excited for your show. Thank and, you. And the reason I'm excited for the show is not only does it look like a good show. Yeah. And I I texted you when I the first time I saw a Bill. I'm like, oh look, it's saw a Bill yeah, with me. By the yeah, way, yeah. But it's uh, I think it's a testament to anyone. Who we you came on after the your late night talk show mm-hmm. went away, uh-huh. and you it obviously was a bummer, but you had a good attitude about it. Yeah, and almost immediately got this other thing going, which in the long run I think is going to be so much better for you. I agree. So it's a real great lesson in 
Boy, you can work really hard on something. If it doesn't pan out, that doesn't mean, well, it's over. I guess it was one of those, like, how well do you get up from a fall sort of thing. Like, right. We hear lots of sage old men and women. Well, it's just a, mostly a whispering. Alfred to Batman. Mostly who? Alfred to Batman. <laughs> Do your Batman. Why he didn't fall? make it up. I want to do my Alfred. You haven't given up on me yet. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Wayne. Yeah, Mr. Wayne. Mr. Wayne. Yes, it's all clogged I up. I may be just an old man, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> but but I love you. you know. I'll be. <laughs> I'm going to a different cafe every week in Paris until I find you. I will find you. <laughs> I will find you. Are you in love with me, Alfred? That's no. getting it blurring the lines. I don't. Mr. Wayne. <laughs> I watch you undress and put on these rubber costumes all the time. I'm not made of wood. <laughs> Sometimes I do the code for the piano with my erected penis. <laughs> just, yeah, it's totally doable. Don't orbit's doable. I've yeah, it's really it. doable. Did you just say orbit's doable? It's it's doable. Orbit's gum. Have you Let played me, the... Dot com slash Nerdist. Boy, Arkham. now we're just freestyling. <laughs> now it's just free association. Have you played Arkham VR? Arkham VR? Yeah. Virtual the... reality is what something. Is happening? Ki- well, it's like reality for <laughs> the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. So it's the Arkham game set between Arkham Knight and Arkham City. Uh, you mean Arkham. The game. City and Arkham Knight. Yeah. Either way. Which podcast am I on? You're on? <laughs> Welcome to You're on a podcast kids. that Matt has not been on for <laughs> maybe a year except for Saturday. Uh, six months. Six months, yeah. Well, six it sounds months. like a year. You just doubled the time I haven't been here. Well, it made my case sound more compelling. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I ran into him on the way in. I was happy to see him. He was wearing a caramel-colored leather jacket, <laughs> smoking a long brown cloak. I came around the corner, so I'm like, and my, my first reaction was, what are you doing here? Like, and he was like, <laughs> Literally what he said to me. Yeah, because I've never seen him here. I'm and I said to him, I was him. like, do you want me to go? I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can leave. This is magic. Am I? Did you die? Are you, are, you, are you visiting me as a spirit before you pass on? What's happening? Guys, things are going great at the Goldbergs. I've been let go. Uh, no, are you writing yeah. at the Goldbergs? Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's a fucking full time. He's like a full staff writer. Oh, the my He's God. writing an episode. Stamps.com. That's my garland. <laughs> Stamps.com. Stamps.com. WTF, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, 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 the, the, the thing where I said, oh, it's been like a year and it's actually been six months. That's actually a, a fun tactic that I see employed on the internet often where people go, uh, they, they up the stakes to make their things sound weightier oh, than it is. Sure. So, they'll go, so if they don't like something, they'll go, you know, everyone's been saying they don't like this thing. Like, yeah. is it everyone? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have 29 followers. Right, is right, it right. everyone? Right. Or is it just you but I, and you, don't, you want it to sound more important? I'm trying to think. I realized it was a little bit troubling. I was falling asleep the other night and I was considering how often I make huge generalizations based on something like two or three people. Right, right. We all do this. Like if two people are eating blow pops in a month, I'm like, blow pops are bad. They're everywhere. (laughs) But that's that's, why everything works. But that's also part of the fake news cycle and also also a part of confirmation bias where it's like I only see one or two or three things that help me build this case. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that our brains just simply cannot process. We don't have the energy to process all the information. So we're constantly filing and sorting using the – Least amount of things right. that will confirm what we want to believe, I and know. that's it. And reduce stress, anxiety, yes. make you feel safe and yeah. good and warm. And unfortunately, it has bad long-term effects. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. I have a lot of confir- – that comes up a lot. That's a criticism I get on, on – uh, you made it weird a lot, is that I have a confirmation bias. About like, whatever. I, like, like I want ghosts to be real. Right. You know what I mean? So you'll see me getting excited if someone's like, we have technology that can see the demons' faces. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> As opposed wow. to like someone that – I, it's, it's, some of it's for entertainment value because it's more interesting to follow the thread. Right. I feel like I love Penn Jillette. I really do. But I feel like 
if you know he were on my podcast, it, it would be like twenty minutes long, and just be like, "That's ridiculous." And then, like, <laughs> oh, he would say yeah, that. Too. He would just be like, "I have the science that makes it." I've never tried to do pendulum. You know, that's actually a good. very good pendulum. I uh, have the science. <laughs> and that Only awesome. on Comedy Central. <laughs> oh wow, I forgot that. Yeah, I, he was the voice of Comedy Central before Kyle. Oh my god! I mean, way before Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Like in the nineties, no, Vagrant Hobo is the voice of Comedy Central. <laughs> I looked in the window at Sears and saw Comedy Central because <laughs> he's on the streets. He is. Is, yeah, <laughs> eating Cheddar Bay biscuits. <laughs> Back to your point, Kyle Kinane. Last time I saw you, the show was canceled, and then I followed Alfred's advice. Yeah. Uh, I had fallen in the Bat Cave well. Right. I was confronted with the darkness. You sniffed the purple flower. Well, not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> what podcast am I on? I'm sorry. So you're saying Judd Apatow okay. is Roger Gould? I don't know. How are we getting this? Did you just call him Roger Gould? Raja, Raja Gould. Roger Gould. I am Roger Gould. I am Roger Gould. I'm immortal. Are you Roger Gould? Takes- no, I'm a different guy. It takes Bruce I get a lot Wayne, of his emails. A whole that- movie to figure out Roger Gould is Roger. Roger. <laughs> that is a Batman sketch we could do. Where I kick the shit out of someone and I'm like, <laughs> I finally have you, Raj Al-Ghul. He's like, it's Roger! <laughs> Roger and then Ra- Raj Al-Ghul shows up, what are you it's doing? Roger ah, Gould! Oh no, that's Roger. We get a lot, I just had some of his mail, I was just bringing it to him. What is his, it's Raj... Raj Raj, Raj Al-Ghul. There's some, there's some uh, you know, hyphens in there. Yeah. It's giving you hints on how to say it. Yeah. Some names know that they're so hard to say, they're like, there's a map. Right. In the name. <laughs> I think that's a good Batman sketch that needs to happen. We did one kind of like that where there was a birthday clown and uh, Batman was in – they mixed up the interrogation rooms. <laughs> I actually still have the post-it. I was in my apartment – this is years and years ago – and I wrote, Batman – Beats up Batman interrogates clown Joker in next room. And I, <laughs> and I put that down. And the sketch is not shot for shot. We weren't that meticulous, but it was just there was a birthday clown. And all of my lines are Batman's lines from The Dark Knight, like, you're garbage that kills people for fun, or whatever it is. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm not garbage, I'm bubbles. <laughs> garbage works across town. Oh, like, Jesus he's just, like really silly. Uh, but then I got to kick the shit out of a birthday clown. See, that was fun. Is any of that. Did, are there any sketch character elements in Crashing, or is it pretty You know, pretty sometimes straight? we kick around. I, I'm of the opinion that people don't really give a shit about my literal arc as much as it's fun to kind of follow. Like, some people sometimes will be like, oh, and then eventually you'll make the Batman sketches, and then right. I'll get you into this, and listen, and then maybe you'll have a talk show. And personally, I'm just interested in where the most comedy and kind of like interesting stuff lies. Yeah. So if it, if we flesh it out and it turns out, and this is in success, obviously, we, we've just done one season. Uh, if it turns out that we think it would be really funny to tell the story of what it's like to become like the most popular thing I ever did was the Batman stuff. And then I was wearing a mask, so I remember that being somewhat frustrating because you couldn't. <laughs> you wanted to be Pete Holmes. You couldn't tour with you it. You couldn't tour be like, Batman. I'm Batman. Like, people thought it was Streeter Seidel, who's a friend of mine from college. Hey, pretty rough childhood, anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> if I build myself as Batman, I could have maybe sold some tickets. Some people love being a character and don't want to be themselves. Yeah. And to me, that just seems like the work because I. Feel- it's like Zach Galifianakis in uh, a lot of movies, but there was that movie about the kid who goes into the mountains and then he dies because there's no food or shelter in the mountains. Um, look who's talking! I yes, don't know, actually. <laughs> when they let the baby, <laughs> this is irresponsible. And then Bruce Willis just frees to death. Yeah, he- <laughs> it's a terrible movie. There's <laughs> like a movie. The fourth oh, Into the Wild. I mean. Into the Wild. Yeah. In that movie, Zach Galifianakis has his cap over his face the entire movie. That's how fuck Hollywood he is, I guess. Oh, yeah. He doesn't uh, – he's not into any of it. Yeah. 
And he said when he did my podcast that he walked past a billboard for his movie. It was his face. And he legitimately thought, huh, I wonder if that's any good. <laughs> like he just <laughs> he didn't just, think, just oh, doesn't that's like me. It. Like, just doesn't like it. Yeah, I don't think he associates with it. He doesn't seem to like doing any press. He doesn't like doing any. He doesn't like. He doesn't like doing any of it. Well, it's a it's a tricky thing, and I'm sure you you've both been tempted by this. The more you face mirrors that project back to you, you are you are Chris Hart. You're the host of At Midnight. Like it's fun to do that, and it's fun to do the show and and have your craft and all that. But if you start believing your own hype, it it puts something itchy in your blood. I guess so, but I also think you know Zach, despite having done a lot of big movies is really just a he's just such a ball of alternative comedy energy yeah. <laughs> and I, I just wonder if all the mainstream stuff just makes him feel i mean i honestly don't know oh you think the, he's avoiding it because he doesn't like it he's I not he doing it, like it to keep real no i think he doesn't i think he just genuinely doesn't like it and zach is a guy that yeah. really just doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do yeah so i can re- i completely respect him from that point of view and i when and when, we, when my wife and i are watching baskets it occurred to me that zach is essentially our generation's buster keaton Oh my goodness! It's Isn't the, that the, funny? There, there's like a there's like um, a poignancy to the comedy and a, and an underlying sadness and how the, and the more sadness, the more ridiculous he yeah. can go. It's like is like that scene in the, I in am the first not, episode. I am a clown. Yeah, yeah. Where his pants fall down and he hits the <laughs> ground. Like anyone else doing that? Like okay, but with Zach, I don't know. There's so much weight. There's so much to it. Maybe yeah. I'm projecting that. No, you're right. But also, don't underestimate an interesting face. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just like that guy looks like he's thinking of something, which he probably is. But right. so is the guy with the vacant face. But you don't see him in pictures. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought it was interesting. I'm wearing a V-neck shirt. It's what? so deep. I, I accidentally just threw a hoodie on what I slept in, so I'm so sorry. Yeah, no. You're going to interview me. The podcast audience wants to know. <laughs> they really want to know. I want you to know that I know that I'm not Ryan Gosling, that I'm a it's soft. It's a level eight V. Amorphous, it's man. A deep V. It's probably because I had a nightmare and was yanking on it like, Mr. Belvedere, no. You know? <laughs> so I'm aware that this is weird. What were you saying? Because you just made me think of something. Well, Zach? I, I were talking about Zach, but you just made me think about oh, how boy. we did that pilot episode of The Bowling Show. Yeah, I and loved John it. And John Hamm was teasing you about your sweat stains. Yeah. You go, they made me put on two shirts. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things I've ever done. That was put that out favorite. there. We never. Is it not out? No. Oh, it... the second one is out. We never did it. Like, it was a pilot for AMC. It we was did it. Yep. me and you and Tom Lennon and Nathan Fillion versus the cast of Mad Men and the Sklars were hosting. It was yep. for AMC. Yep. AMC had picked up the show. And the then... Jews so nice, they made it twice. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time I've been trying to think of a Sklar Brother joke. you got to give that to them. The Jews so nice, they, they made, made it, it twice. twice. You have to give that to them if they didn't already think of it. That is wow, amazing. We're, we're, I like that most of us are laughing, but Matt's face is like, I'm not sure if it's appropriate. <laughs> you know, the reason it's appropriate is because they would make that joke. Yeah, of course they would. Of and course I guarantee they you when dear, they hear I that, love them. they're going to want to make that their profile let's we'll do it we on air right now yeah we'll take which 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 uh I'll brother take jason you take randy <laughs> oh, i wish there was a triplet <laughs> wait there's a lost trip a sklar triplet somewhere who's uh hates Kum- comedy kumail gave me a good tip what? about the sklar brothers what? randy is not wearing glasses uh doesn't wear glasses jay wears glasses and so he goes when you're feeling randy you take off your glasses do you know where he got that from from chris hardwick yes no that's how Janet Varney and I used to tell them apart in the early oh on, and I told Kumail and Emily. Yeah, 
And uh, yeah, Randy is ready to go, so he has the glasses off. Jason has oh, the glasses on. But that's so ironic because Jason's the poon hound. <laughs> <laughs> Just starting huge salacious <laughs> rumors. Listen, no one cares what the truth is anymore. <laughs> I wonder if we were talking clickable. about. We were talking about baskets. Zach Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis. Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton. You. You. We were talking about Zach doing press. Uh, yeah, and, and just keeping it keeping it one hundred. Keeping it real. And, there are uh, those guys that just seem immune to showbiz, and I'm very interested in those. Like, uh, I, I'm not. I don't mean to keep bringing up these people, but uh, Seth Rogen did the podcast, and I only wanted to talk to him about how he seems to be a somewhat normal guy. You're you're a normal guy. You don't go around being a jerk face. I, I don't think I do. You don't. I don't know if I. I don't know if anyone has the perspective. I mean, do you ever feel Voldemort though? I'm not totally. I'll, I'll be with you. Like, right? I yep. mean, I I look at it this way: when you stay at the Four Seasons, one time I stayed at a Four Seasons. The first time I stayed at Four Seasons, I realized, oh, this is why rich people are jerks, is because at the Four Seasons, if you drop a tissue. Someone will run up, not only pick up the tissue, but they'll hand you a silk handkerchief and be like, this is courtesy of the Four Seasons. Mr. Holmes, would you like to strike me? <laughs> Send me into the walk-in fireplace if it amuses you. Well, it's, a lot of it But then you do... go, the next weekend I was in Portland at, at a normal, nice hotel, like, you know, like a Hilton or whatever the fuck a hotel is, and they were normal, and I caught myself... Not being rude, but I was tempted to because I was like, "Can I check in?" And they were like, uh, "Your room's not ready." They they didn't even say like, "Sorry." They were just right. like, "Your room's not ready," because that's normal. Yeah, it's information. Well, you and get, I was like, "Can you call me when it's ready?" You get you get conditioned for things, and so I think it's just a constant way of keeping in check. That, yes, uh, you know, a lot of people will do things for you, and a lot of people, and you have to make sure that you don't take it for granted. Or like, it, right. I think it, it's sort of an analogous experience is. You know, when you get used to getting recognized and then you go someplace, like you go to check in your hotel and you're like, oh, can I see your ID? And you're like, really? <laughs> but I've never done an ID list check in. But, but, but <laughs> I love it. But for a, um, you know, uh, that would that would suggest like, oh, that person is a complete asshole. Right. Why would they expect that everyone... But, sure. uh, but the other side of it is, oh, well, you're sort of condi- – you can get conditioned. Oh, it happens so much. Because you just go, yeah. oh, okay, and it's really just about efficiency and time. But when you step out of it, you go, oh, yeah, that's a dick move. But the, we all get used to whatever is happening. Right. That's the, that's the weird reality of being here. Right. It, go, it goes to being in a low spot in your life. You can just be like, God, I've eaten a burrito from the freezer three meals a day. Yeah. And you just get used to that because you're sad and the windows are drawn. Right. Been there. Then you also get to a place where you're just like expecting the world. Mulaney had the best point when he was writing on SNL Mick Jagger was the guest the musical guest I suppose and uh, he was like Mick Jagger isn't rude but what it what it helped Mulaney understand was he's like you're not polite to Siri <laughs> you know what I mean you go Whenever get we- me a coke <laughs> you know what I mean like I go Alexa turn it down and so every, everyone be- is Alexa to people to- be- because that's what he's been conditioned for, like what eighty years. <laughs> at least hundred have wept at the opportunity to bring someone, bring this man a diet coke. That's a story for life. Yeah, and I opened it for him, and he said, "Cheers," and I was like, <laughs> oh, "Satisfaction." Well, that I, I remember <clears throat> when the whole Tiger Woods thing broke. It's like, oh, he's been you know cheating on his wife and other. What? And, and uh, <laughs> I'm heartbroken. And and so uh, what I remember thinking was. Yeah, for, of course. That's a shitty thing to do. It's not something I would ever do. I think it's awful. 
But I try to imagine, like, you know, what if you're a professional athlete in a time where all uh, many professional athletes are doing yeah. that, and it's just you grow up where everyone's just like, hey, you can have whatever you want, whenever yeah. you want. Yeah. You're the best. You're the best. Yeah. And if someone does that to you for 20 years, your perspective is different to the extent yeah. where you don't. Your sense of right and wrong is not the shared common well, interest of what's right and wrong. I think, and I'm not excusing it. I'm no. just saying from his point of view. It was probably a much different experience. Two things. One, in, in the movie Funny People, I love the line Sandler says, it's easy not to cheat when no one wants to fuck you. Right. That's, that's a great line. But didn't it sound like, is it not to is what he said after. It was weird. Because it was a dramatic scene. And then the other thing, I think we're all, everybody in this country, for the most part, is getting the dial slowly turned up on the privilege and the kind of luxury of their lives. Right. Like, so meaning we can broaden the uh, uh, the conversation out to people, which is almost everyone I know, uh, like my brother, my family, people that can get any show, any food brought to them. Right. And they're grateful for the opportunity to bring you noodle soup. And you're just like, hey, yeah, no worries. Here's $3. Right. Oh, I'll get. Just... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, in between movies. <laughs> <laughs> My my fake comedy voice has been getting very bobcatty. That's drifting that's into fair, bobcat a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it used to be more of a New Yorky thing. But anyway, <laughs> this is like a thing. What I'm saying is almost it's like living in New York. Everybody's kind of a celebrity. I right. remember when I moved there, I was like, the cabs are your drivers. This is before Uber, obviously. So it's like unique that there are just cabs everywhere. Everyone has a personal chef. Because there's takeout and, right. and delivery, everything your laundry is done for you. Like no one in New York City that I know didn't just drop their laundry off. So you become like a king. Well, it's Next a thing very you know you're thinking I have to put these clothes in this machine. Well, it's you know, <laughs> you know I think it's it's very much a part of human nature to seek comfort and to avoid discomfort. Yeah, I think we are losing the idea. Like no one wants to feel any emotions anymore. Yes, it's like but you're supposed to feel emotions. Like you're the sp- Borg Matt. Exactly. I know, that they feel nothing. You're, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be discom- You're supposed to be uncomfortable sometimes. And Absolutely. So, but. As you achieve more success and more people do things for you that you that, and you seek that because it's comfortable. Have yes, and then uh, and then, but if if it goes too far, you I think people get to a point where they just can't. It's How do you keep to, yourself from getting too far? Um, uh, Smoke weed every day. <laughs> I think de- that's the definite, answer. Definitely no. not. <laughs> not the answer. I get myself a try. You mean how? <laughs> so, no, I'm like asking how Hardwick. Uh, how do you do? How do you? How do you? Well, wouldn't you? Say, I don't know. I don't. Do I don't grounded? think I'm. How do you keep grounded? I don't think I'm at a point yet where I. I mean. I feel like the internet keeps you very grounded because uh-huh. there are enough people that are like, fuck you, you suck. And so you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not, you know. Uh, don't, don't throw them a bone. <laughs> Thanks for keeping us in check. You know what's funny about... I have naturally uh, occurring self-hate. I don't need some guy in Wyoming. I try to explain that to people, too. I also, you mentioned privilege before, and I think it's really funny. I, th- I find the irony... Uh, you know that kind of like granola girl meme where it's the white girl with the dreadlocks yes. and it's the you know it's the sort of I don't I can't remember what the name of the meme is but it's basically like a, like a misguided activist like you know uh-huh. someone who will you know talk to you about vegetarianism but then I don't know uh, but then they ran over an animal in the street and then they just didn't stop to I don't know right it's sure very bad examples yeah give, give me an example of the meme what is it? I don't know this meme you don't know this meme <laughs> young pope. 
Katie, use this meme. Uh, it's like the it's like a granola girl ah, with the just type meme and then like hippie girl, hippie girl, hippie girl meme. It's called hippie girl, hippie girl, hippie girl meme. And so uh, the hippie girl meme that I would make uh, says uh, in quotation marks, "Check your privilege," and then below, tweeted from iPhone. You know what I mean? It's like when people tweet at you to check your privilege, like um. You're tweeting from an expensive device. But you know, it's funny that she you say that. It. Afraid of hormones and milk takes acid from strangers. That's really funny. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. But there's something going on. Like, I was just listening to the Dropkick Murphys on the way over, and they have this song about how, like, uh, essentially you used to be able to have one job, and now you have to work two jobs, and, like, both parents need to work just to, like, have the same quality of living. And I honestly don't know the numbers behind this, but I started thinking about that. I was like, that does make a good punk rock song. Like, that's a nice thing to rage against. Yeah. Like, hey, we used to just have dad work one job. And, yeah, but he didn't come home and watch a 97-foot television <laughs> with 17 <laughs> streaming services and, like, two cars. You didn't need, like, I feel like if you want to live, like, that time, I, I, I don't know. Right. It seems like the cost of living would be lower. Would you like to come home and play Scrabble? You could probably do that on You could on do that. Go. Do you want to go to the movies constantly? Do you want to know, I saw Doctor Strange in IMAX 3D and be a part of modern yeah, living? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing is that I feel like... I don't think it's fair either, but there, there is, I wonder. There is absolutely poverty in the country, but I think most people that try to privilege check people are a little... Uh, Their perspective's a little warped. Like... You're yeah. fairly privileged yourself. If right. you, not everyone. Right. But a lot a lot of the people are more privileged than they would let on when sure. they're privileged checking people. It's like you Well, yeah, don't we just point out what we're what we have in ourselves? Like, well, it's, it, the, it's you know, the, take one the worst part is is the uh, part of the poison of what's going on right now is anyone who thinks they have moral high ground on anything just feels like, well, that's my permission to be as rotten to someone else as I possibly yeah. can. If you're right, you don't have to be nice. If about you it. feel like you have the moral high ground, it's like, oh, the gloves are coming off. You can just write the platitude on an oar and hit someone in the head. Yes, but I think you know. In answer to your question, Matt, part of the grounding thing, and I don't know if I am or not, but I feel like not having achieved a lot of success until I had failed a lot was uh, very helpful mm-hmm. because I've always feel like that was just well, yesterday that, yeah. and I know that it could happen again. You have Leno disease. <laughs> you, I don't know what you're talking about. You have full-blown Leno. What are you talking about? Let me show you my cat. Leno, for the lizards, famously <laughs> didn't spend any of the money from his talk show. Yeah. He just kind of hoarded it and spent money from public appearances. That's what he lived on. Right. But I understand that. That's That's kind of the thing is... I don't think there is a making it. That that's one of, like it's about I think a lot of people are postponing their happiness and their contentment to the moment where they're standing in the sun and they've made it. But people that I like we were saying with my talk show and or other things that went away, you realize it's never done. It's it's all just like life and it really is about how you continue to find the will to be kind, the will to stay open, the will to love, the will to remain creative. These are the real games we're playing. Right. We happen to play them in more visual ways. Like, oh, like if my father expands his business, tanks a lot in Somerville, Massachusetts, it's an oil tank removal company. Sounds great. (laughs) Into like also some other uh, service. That doesn't get on the page uh, on the front page of Reddit. You know right. what I mean? Like nobody gives a shit. But if you start doing a new thing it gets so it's fun to latch on to that and comment on that. But really we're all doing the same thing. Well, yeah, and you know, it really is about um uh cuz you know, you you work really hard and you fight really hard and you you have to be scrappy and be creative and 
you know, whether or not that starts working, that process never stops because you're constantly yeah. climbing whatever this ladder is. Yeah. And, you know, you really do have to stop once in a while and go, oh, yeah, everything, everything's okay. But, but I got to gotta keep, you know, I still have to achieve. Well, it's an interesting question. It's a simple question, but it troubles me. I hope it's interesting. Is, is what, when is it enough? You know what I mean? When but enough it, of what? Like, yeah. what is the thing that you're trying to? Is it if you like the work, then you can do that forever, right? If it's if it's about like, I want to win an Oscar, and then you right. win the Oscar, like, oh, what what happens right. now? I mean, I think like that the, that those kind of hard result oriented goals are huge. You have to remember that. Well, you just have to remember they're not. Ev- they they don't mean everything because. The moment it's like it's, well, the guy that made Searching for Sugar Man, uh, the guy who made right. that documentary, won an Oscar and then he killed himself uh, uh, like a month later. And I'm certainly not trying to just turn him into a statistic, but I love the Jim Carrey quote where he says, "I wish everyone were rich and famous so they could see it's not the answer." Right. That's why I somebody just told me a story yesterday about a comedian I knew sitting on the ba- on the patio of the comedy store smoking a cigar, and they had never seen this guy so confident or whatever. They, like he was normally. You know, a regular comedian where we can kind of talk to our friends, keep to ourselves. This guy was like holding court and it was like, what's going on with this guy? And he was just kind of like bragging, being a blowhard about like some – I don't want to I don't want to use context clues to reveal who this might be, mm-hmm. but some small Hollywood thing. And I'm just like, that's what you think we're doing? Like I used to knew – I knew guys that when they went to Montreal got deals – and then they would bring printouts of the deals to the comedy seller to show everybody. And I'm talking, this was a, br- like, it's like, look, it's a million dollar deal. Look at the zeros. Like, show right. it to everyone. I was like, that is the wrong style for me of living, no matter what you're doing. Well, I know. Because it's believing in your own hype. Like, like I'm on uh, billboards right now. Very exciting. But there's also just part of me that's like, Oh man, I, I hope I get to keep doing the show. Or it's not even anxiety; it's just kind of like, oh, there it is. Instead of really being yeah. like, I'm going to take my dick out and do some selfies. In well, front but of it this can't thing. be any surprise to you that a profession where people constantly need validation from strangers every night might lead to more instances of them trying to get validation by going, "Look at this thing." I suppose. You're Am right. I good enough now? But isn't there an interesting shift in the first half of a comedian's life from I'm hoping right a desperate need for affirmation, which I share, by the way. Sure, I actually. Woke up this morning and I was like, "Oh my god! Today I feel like how I felt from eight, from birth, <laughs> you know, from let's say ten to uh, twenty five. Like just that because I well, I started stand up when I was like twenty one. So from f- uh, ten to twenty one. So for that time, I was so anxious and I had no way of salving myself. Like I just, I like, I think I told you this last time I did your podcast. I had a bald spot in my head. I couldn't sleep. I had terrible digestion. Like freaking the fuck out all the time." And I get little glimpses of that, Pete, like 15-year-old Pete, nervous Pete. And I'm like, oh, my God, it used to flare up, and I didn't have anything to do about it. Now I can go do a set. I can, uh, you know. Channeling some of that energy. But but I think it's, you know, it's all just byproducts of, of, of issues that all of us had going into it. Right. Because when George Michael died, I someone published this letter that Frank Sinatra wrote to the, I think it might have been the LA Times, but George Michael at the... In like ninety one, ninety two, just like really about as famous as he ever was, mm. uh, was talking about the pressures of fame and it was hard and it wasn't easy. And so Frank Sinatra wrote this letter to the L.A. Times. Just it was just like, "Hey, baby, you got to swing with it. You're lucky. People are coming to your shows. This is what you wanted. Be happy, yeah. you know." And it's like, 
He just is like that's the like the about the, from an even more famous person, right? And and I think it's really just a byproduct of personality. Some people see it as a burden. Some people see it as for sure. Some people have an easier time. I think I'm one of those people sitting back and enjoying it. I I don't want to sound like I'm a guy that goes like, "There's my billboard." I, it just makes me nervous. I'm like, "Holy holy shit! Look what we did. That's incredible." And I really do mean we, like right. the whole team. We did. So that's why I'm hoping that in the second half of life we go of a comedian's journey, we go from just that. It was something crude that got us there, which was just like, God, I'm nervous if I don't have people giving me attention and love. That's a fine way in. I would like to leave the game, and I do mean like when I die, with a better sense of like, I did that because it's what we do. Clocks tell time. Comedians write jokes, tell jokes. You know what I mean? Like you're just kind of following your calling. And that's why it's not the billboard. It's the feeling that you're – you know when you see like a huge swarm of birds and they're all moving in unison? You know right. what I mean? They like they're turning in unison, they're swirling yeah, yeah. in unison. There's those birds, and then there's always like a couple odd fucks that are just like not in formation. Doing open mics. <laughs> <laughs> but no matter what you're doing in life, we know the difference between being one of those birds that's outside. And I'm not talking about conforming. I'm talking about that's the swirl and the movement of life. And you're either merging into that and and you can feel it when you're doing the thing that's your path. Right. You feel a certain You feel aligned. You feel aligned. You feel aligned. It's and you the feel... right water slide. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're going down it, and it feels right. And it wasn't about the billboard or the money or the fame or getting laid. It was about finding your lane. Well, it's also, you know, like I said, fighting so hard to create, to, you know, night after night, getting up on stage, falling, getting up, falling, getting up, fighting, 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 fighting. And again, <laughs> you become conditioned to like, oh, I got to fight to yeah. survive. But then when you don't have to fight, it's creating battles because you're addicted to the drama. Uh, I, I mean me. Like I'm addicted to the drama or I'm addicted to the, but, that uh, part the, of it. When you were talking about um, that earlier, there's actually a phenomenon with some celebrities. And I don't even have names to give you. But I've heard – Zach Kreger did my podcast. And he told me that he worked for a company that would kidnap rich people, celebrities, movie stars, TV stars, whatever, and throw them in a basement, kick the shit out of them. Uh, hit them with hockey state. Like, you could gauge it. <laughs> what was this? They would pay for the privilege of suffering. Because you're talking about getting to that Mac- Mick Jagger place. Because, okay, there's something true. Some, like, really far-out mystics, you know, I like talking about that mm-hmm. stuff, used to pray for suffering. Because they realized that that was the only thing. And they're absolutely right. Richard Rohr said this great thing. Houses aren't meant to live be lived in. They're meant to be moved out of. But the thing is, like, the only way that we get out of our ruts, even if they're comfortable, glorious ruts, is some sort of suffering. So some saints would pray for suffering. Even though they would hate it, obviously, they knew that that was the fire that was doing I mean, the, the truth of the matter, I, I think that's kind of a bullshit stance, because I feel like... <laughs> I do, because I feel like there's no honor in suffering. Suffering just happens, because light, it's life. Sure. So I think it's more about... I think that's a very... And I don't mean this for you, but I mean I'd love for, to talk for, for them. It. I feel like that's a very pretentious. Like I need to suffer to be alive. You don't. Suffering happens, and also you mean you don't need to ask for it. You don't need to ask for it. Like it doesn't make you a better person because you go out of your way to suffer. Because and because I feel like I think the asking is more about having an openness to it. It's not that you're like willing it. It's it's to your point. It's going to happen either way. I think growth happens from discomfort. Growth happens from suffering, and that's fine. But it happens. And I feel like you can create... So you don't have to get cute about it. Right. You can create (laughs) suffering or you can create solutions or you can learn from these things. But what I'm troubled with is like 
you know, it's, it's, I see you do the Sinbad quote all the time. He says comedians are funnier when they're riding the bus. There's some, I think what the mystics that are asking for suffering is getting at is we all plateau. We all get to – we were talking about it earlier, the sure. things that celebrities get used to, the things that we all get used to. So you're in your house and I, I really feel that tight seal in my house. The door closes. It's locked. It's the right temperature. The food is there. I know where everything is. The bathroom is there. Everything I need to put on sweatpants and remain. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I love. That's what I'm going to do the rest of the day. So I'm not shitting on that. Right. But I am aware – that if I were the kind of guy that would book a flight against my own better sense to uh, – it's South America where they have that really, really long walk. What's it called? The, there's like a uh, – there's a Martin Sheen movie about it, I think. My point is you could uh, go Luke to – Luke talking too. It's going to be my runner. was a laser. <laughs> I'm just, I, haven't said, I haven't said laser in years. That was laser is back for that joke. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I'm only embarrassed that everyone will know what I'm talking about. You could go and force yourself into situations that are a little bit less comfortable. I'm not saying you need to go get in fights. That's no. one type of suffering. But everybody knows leaving your comfort zone. It's like going to college. Your parents are like, "This is good." Well, like, that's why I work should. out three times a week. Or, I, I, or have a tra- I have a trainer like that that. that you know, and Matt has worked with the same trainer. It's, it's, you know, he does create discomfort. Yeah, there you are asking for suffering. <laughs> I guess I am, but, but not. But, but it's because you know, and and like, haven't you said yes to gigs that you're like? I just said trainer too, so I know that makes me a huge asshole. And I, no, I, I, but, I love but, it. But I mean, a trainer's but, like thirteen dollars. But, but creating, <laughs> but creating, um, but creating discomfort in the way of like. Uh, constructive, like this, you know, if you can get through this, you can uh, get through anything. It's like, I think there's an understanding of it's all constructive, which actually brings us to even your, your death. That's what a mystic would say. Like, we play this game where we're like, suffering is good if we can bounce back from it. I was also listening to Kanye on the way over, and it's a Daft Punk song, but he's like, anything that doesn't kill me can make me stronger. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's true, but it's not like we, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. <laughs> Mike Furman has a joke about that. He goes, uh, and then one day we die. What about cutting off all your muscles? Uh, <laughs> you could conceivably <laughs> through that. But it's a tricky question, but if you go, and I'm not even, I would bring this up if I weren't, trying to get the word out about crashing. I look at the comedian I am and I look back on something I never would have asked for, which is my real life divorce. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's the thing that kicked me into the pool. Sure. And everybody knows that. That's kind of an obvious thing. But we can't get enough of it to nerdist it up. And I would have done this on my own podcast. Uh, Tony Stark has to get shrapnel in his heart that, to motivate him to build the thing that changes his, his life. I had to go through recovery. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like we all and, – and that's fine – and I do agree with the uh, with the uh, Captain Kirk line of uh, you know my pain is what makes me who I am. Yeah, essentially was that on Discover Country? Sadly, it was Star Trek V, the Final Frontier. Final Frontier, the worst one. That's right. Uh, That's Spock's brother. Yeah, yeah, who comes Sad- in and takes away all, and takes away other pain. Yeah, but but I think you know I I think pr- praying for suffering it, to me is is kind of irritating. But I think. I suppose but, if you look at but it, authenticity, yeah. I think I think living uh, living authentically. And if you're in a situation where, you know, sometimes you will have less of something, and that's your authentic situation. Sometimes you will have more of something, and that's your authentic situation. And I feel like and both are the game. Both right? are the game. Yeah. yeah, both. It's all part of the same thing. And yeah. there's nothing. But you know, we're trying not to resist either. That's well, things, the tricky. Things thing. have no value. 
but things have the value that through the lens of whatever our baggage is. You mean material things. Anything in the external world yeah. is essentially a reflection of of what our baggage is. Right. The, the baggage is our lens and how we see ourselves in the like world. Like the gods are crazy. I could make this very exactly. This Coke me. bottle could be yeah, for, yeah exactly exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know that's why to me, you know, when people go well. I don't know, maybe the universe just doesn't want me to have... It's like the universe doesn't give a fuck if you have X or Y or don't have X yeah, or Y. Yeah. You're putting that. Those are your limitations because of whatever you think you deserve. I love that. That, to me, is a little bit of the, the shaking up of the mass hypnosis. Like, we all go around straightening each other's costumes, you know right. what I mean? And being like, oh, you're right. You should be livid with what Molly said to you. And, like, really just kind of <laughs> encouraging other, like, Wait, what'd oh, she say? What'd she say? How dare she treat you that way in your time of need? It's all very right. serious. Right. So there's something, I think, uh, this this made me think of that. Alan Watts, who I, I, I love very dearly, explained, like, imagine if you were God, right? You're, you're allowed to create Done. your own world. <laughs> Uh, you're talking about Bruce Almighty uh, <laughs> or Evan Almighty, either one. Ooh, movie no, he was, was Noah. Moses. Evan was Noah. He was Noah. Noah. Yeah. Movie pitch. Yeah. It's a dystopian future, apocalyptic future. All religious texts have been destroyed except the movie Bruce Almighty. <laughs> so there are churches and, and like all these people that follow the movie Bruce Almighty. Yeah. <laughs> Writing it. Um, Alan Watts said, if you could create any reality. What a waste of your time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The way he puts it actually is he goes, let's say every night you go to bed and it's 100 years and you can do whatever you want. Every night you would go to bed and you would create a world where, you know, whatever you want. You fly, you fuck everything, you're always coming, you're eating whatever you want, and you're just living this perpetual paradise. He's like, how many nights, if a night is 100 years, would you do it? Probably a lot because it's the best. You know what I mean? If it's never not enough, you can kind of like turn it up or whatever. He's like, after like a couple weeks of that, maybe a month, you're going to create a button that says, I don't know, like some sort of trouble. Because right. like you're just like this is this is nothing. This is why we don't play video games on God mode. You know what I mean? Did you ever see this? Do you know the Twilight Zone episode? I mean, everything to me is a Twilight Zone episode. Bring Twilight it up to Black Mirror, Chris. Twilight, <laughs> Twilight, Zone, Twilight Zone episode where uh, this uh, petty criminal uh, has a shootout with the cops and he gets shot and then he wakes up and uh, Sebastian Cabot is there and he's like, "Hello, I'm Pip. I'm your guide." And the yeah. guy's like, "Oh, I'm dead." And he's like, "Yes." <laughs> and he's like, "Whatever, whatever you want." So, you know, the guy's a gambler and he's a thief. So, you know, he lives in this super swanky. He brings him into the super swanky apartment. And yes. every night he goes to the casino and it's like chicks everywhere. And he wins every time he plays. <laughs> and it's great. And then after a month, the guy goes crazy. Yeah. And he's like, how I don't, How did I even get into heaven? And he's like, right. heaven? Yeah. Whatever made you think this was heaven? And it was the idea about that it, all the donuts in the yeah. world. <laughs> yup, 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 yup. More. 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 <laughs> more. More. I don't understand. James Coco cracked after 30 minutes. Wow. But it, uh, I but can't it, believe it. But it's, uh, but it's that idea. Like, But it took the risk. You know, the guy was begging for like, right. could I not, could I rob a bank? Of course you can. Uh, right. Is there any chance I could get shot? Well, I can arrange that. But then it's not. Right. I would know you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. So some people really That's do. That's the Alan Watts button. That's the some, button that some says. Some people really do need that. You're playing SimCity and you go up to the disaster menu and you yeah. you select a Tornado. Or, or I know there just right. was a huge tornado. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. And to that point. Or you could do Alien Invasion. Alien or, Invasion. Or, or 
And then one happens before this is released. <laughs> Shit. Right, kaiju! Kaiju! But that's kind of my point is you would I would never tell someone while they were suffering that suffering is like, oh, this is how we get the work. This is what we do. That's the worst thing you can say. All you do is have compassion and empathy, obviously. But then later, when you look back, you think if you've had the same kinds of experiences I have, you go, I would have never asked for that. And it's not just because, oh, I became a, a guy on TV. It's, the inner work is, is just as valuable as any, anything external that's happened. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, because, you know, uh, what a situation means is dictated by how you perceive it. Mm. And I'm not saying it's very easy to do that. But if you can, in your case, you work very hard and making a daily show is very hard to do. It's a lot of work. There was, you know, there was a lot behind it. And then to get that call where it's like, well, we're not going to do this anymore. Just sort of feeling like, oh, why did I do all this? Yeah. But somehow it seems like you were able to still be sad about it, which is totally reasonable. Sure. But not, um, not, not really. You know what it was? It wasn't, I didn't grab a bottle of uh, vodka. And like, I have vodka in my house. And I've been fortunate that I'm not a sad drinker. In that, like, my wife left me and I didn't, like, just grab... I remember thinking, should I drink? You know what I mean? I, like, right. I had seen enough movies. I was like, I think I'm supposed to go talk to a barkeep. <laughs> I really thought, like... I, I was like, isn't that what men do? Uh, but it's not that I'm, you know, like, Spock or something that I'm just thinking of how to solve it. But I was kind of like, all right, we'll ride this out. Drinking was part of it at some point. Like, right. that became a habit. But uh, I'm fortunate that, like, when the talk show was canceled, maybe I already told you this. Uh, I remember I was on the toilet. <laughs> That's how competent I was. I did a sit pee while I was talking to my my team, and they were you like, "Wipe uh, too? Uh, do I wipe? Yeah, I'll give it a sit shake. Okay, great. I'll go in there like a masturbating woman and just kind of wiggle it. <laughs> do you know about the button? What button? Oh, I wish there weren't three women in this room. What's the button? The button is the spot. Just on the underside where where uh, testicle meets taint. Uh-huh. And when you're du- done urinating, if you push it, it just squirts out that last little bit. Wow. What? So you have to go from behind in no, order to... No, no, no. You go under. Under and around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, ladies. And awake. I have wrapped my wiener with toilet paper like a mummy before, <laughs> just in case... I love a good sit And then put on a Brendan Fraser wig. I don't wig. need to be shooting at a target at three in the morning. You know what I mean? Sit down. Good. I'm glad you're know. not going to go shoot up a target. Wait, that's no, what you were talking about? I don't want to hit a target. Oh, gotcha. I don't want to stand and aim right. when I'm trying to stay asleep. Right, or exactly. Or take a call and I don't want them to hear the water. That's, that's right. embarrassing. That's right. Yeah, so the I, button. Try it. Just saying, try it. I'm going to try it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that happened and then the, so the, they're like, the show's not coming back. And even then I was like, am I supposed to drink? And I didn't. We did just kind of like go – we thought about it. And I'm sure you've done this too where it's like, well, what do I like to do? What there's, – there's part of like what kind of life do I want to have? What feels fulfilling creatively? And then really more pressing was like what is – talk about that flow or the swarm of birds at the water slide. It's just like what is the thing that really feels like is written on my bones to write? You know? mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, religious guy. I, I, I never thought that was unique. I kind of thought everybody was growing up hyper – not hyper, but pretty evangelical. Got married to the first girl I ever mar- uh, had sex with. 
Um, and then we were married for six years and then she left me for another guy. And I was like, and then I had that whole experience of like, well, what is God? What is faith? And, and I lost all my faith eventually. And I kind of fell into the world of stand up and found all these like unlikely friends from all these people that I had somewhat rightfully labeled scumbags. I love these people, but some of them, you know, drug using, uh, gambling, prostitute getting, lovable people. And I had been taught to stay away from those people. And then these were the people, in, I'm talking about in real life, right. that rescued me. They really did. I'm talking like we were laughing about how crazy TJ is before. But TJ was the like fly you out to where he's shooting a movie, come stay in my hotel with me because you shouldn't be alone. This God. is my bodyguard. What? Ah! You mean, yeah, Abe, I believe is his name. <laughs> I love TJ. His name. Yeah. Uh, no, I do too. That That's kind of – so moving that to the show, that was one of the things, like how you could find – it's not to put down the church, but it was more of the church of comedy that rescued me when I really needed it. Well, it's – I think it's really about, you know, everyone needs to find their tribe. Yeah. And for some people – it's you know it's a prefab tribe like a religion or a sure. or a political movement. And it clicks right in, and you're like, I guess I am a tobacco and, farmer. And for some, for some people, you need to find that tribe or or kind of construct that tribe. And I certainly, you know, when I discovered being around other comics, was like, oh, yep, okay, this it's is the thing. This is that thing. I remember hearing Seinfeld talk about that, and he's like, I go to these uh, fancy award shows, and there's Dustin Hoffman, and there's you know Sir Ian McKellen or whatever. And he just goes and naturally navigates towards the writers. And he's like just the oblong, weird, stinky – like just like kind of like how Charlie Kaufman portrays himself in movies. Just like that guy with the donut. And then he's like, oh, sorry, Mr. Seinfeld. And then he goes and has a ball with them. He doesn't really connect with Ian McKellen. Did you ever notice the tiny hangers that come with the socks? (laughs) It's called a button. It'll get the last the bit of pee out. Ah, or whatever's projectiling <laughs> from your penis. I'll assist you. If you want it to stop, hit the button. <laughs> May I hit your button? <laughs> Maybe that's the I don't know button. But I, but I but think... I, that's it. It's like, I don't like saying a species because it feels uninclusive to people that aren't comedians. I do think most comedians, all comedians are this species. And there's some people that aren't fully fleshed in their comedy. Does this make sense? Yeah. But still act and think and kind of Yeah, I mean, like I, I honestly, um, because we're going through this really amazing period right now where so many people in our friend group are blossoming. Yeah. And and it's I've always said it's one of my favorite things in the business is watching people, dis- watching the world discover something I've known, yes. I've been in on for so long. It's like, like yeah, Kumail with the big sick right Pete's now. really funny and yeah. Kumail and Emily are amazing yeah. and, yeah. you know, TJ, everyone knows it, you know. Yeah. And so, see, you know, Matt, Matt's writing and Jonah's mystery science, like everyone's yeah. coming into their own and it's, it's a wonderful... It's a really big hot tub right now. It is a nice hot <laughs> it's tub. It's a huge hot tub. And so... Usually there's like four people in a hot tub. We have so many, many people. <laughs> there's always enough The CISO wing of the hot tub is... <laughs> Like 75 people. You can't people. even see the end of it. It's literally an infinity pool. It does not stop. CISO.com slash weird. But, I, but I, I don't think, even know if that's real. But I think, uh, but I think that you know, everyone's, everyone's hard work is paying off and it's all happening. And so it'll be interesting to see like how yeah. everyone starts to process it and deal with it. And when you're used to sort of being the 
person who does alternative comedy rooms like, oh, no, I'm used to having to force people's attention in the corner of a bar when there's yeah. a football game on. Yeah. And now people are listening. Is that OK? Can right. I process that? Is it That's weird? What, this, this is a great time. This is the uh, this is the taking the chips to the casino. That's kind of how I think of L.A. as a whole. It's like you have this commodity. And if you bring it to L.A., maybe someone will exchange your chips which are worthless for you know they don't have mon- monetary value for money uh but the thing that the show uh, crashing february 19th is exploring is that it's far more interesting when we were all coming up like i would love to see chris hardwick in the in his dressing room at shipmates and just like i was drunk yeah <laughs> see? i would have been drinking i mean that that's a great story i i'm not saying this because it's nerdist i say in every interview i'm like i'm f- so much more interested in the origin story of Batman than I am watching him. And I consider Dark Knight the origin story kind of of the Joker. Sure. So it's like two origin stories. The third one's just kind of like, and now we're fighting, and and that's fine. But I like the story of why did these people become who they became. And again, it's not that I'm that interesting. It's that's one of the stories that people love to pour themselves into. And comedy is one of those jobs, I think, that no matter what you're doing, everybody wants their their insides out you know, so if you're an architect and you roll out a blueprint, people might not laugh and clap and you know pay a cover, but the, it's the same sort of experience of taking something that was inside and putting it out. I know, but every period is an origin story to another era. Do you know? You know what I mean? Ooh, like, so- hey, join me for that season two pitch, <laughs> <laughs> fellas. I know I said season one was the. You're a, you're able to look back and say, you know, Chicago was an origin story because yeah. now I'm here and now I'm doing this. But in right. ten years, you can say, oh, Crashing was an origin story to this thing I'm doing now, and that's life. Season twelve of Crashing. Yeah, that's great. Uh, or whatever it is. Um, and so every, you know, it's it's really, you, you don't really know you're in an you, era until, that's you, true. until you're in the next era. But there was no time like coming up in stand-up. I used to sit around with Kumail, and I remember it was me, Kumail, and a couple other open yeah, but micers. you say that now, but at the time, I know you didn't think that way. I said to me and Kumail and these guys, I said, because I was reading uh, books about stand-up, and I was like, it's weird to think... That in the future they'll read books about us, and this was like a year into stand-up, just kind of like a preposterous right. kind of self-confidence or something. Or I just kind of believed in us. I thought we were all funny, and Kumail was kind of the only one that was like, yeah. And the other guys I remember were like, mm. well, it's easy. It's easy to. I mean, it's the hindsight. <laughs> it's the hindsight thing, though. I mean, it's easy to look back. Yeah, that and didn't even basically. Happen. <laughs> what, well, when you're experiencing something, when you're experiencing something. It's you're basically processing a, a, a near infinite number of details. Like being in this room, yeah. you're not really thinking about it now. But when you leave, your brain might sort a few things. Go, you know, I really love being in that room. The wallpaper was great, and I love the way Matt was sitting there. It was a job of the hut. Right. But while you're experiencing it, whoa, you're not... whoa! Why'd you mention me so close to job of the hut? <laughs> All right, it's worth it to interrupt the train. Of so it, it it really you don't notice. Later, the I go back and think. About later, it. you romanticize because you're only remembering the little. Chunks, I agree. But as things are happening, so that's why. But there's something that that's interesting that happens. Uh, I would say. So when I wrote about all these experiences, the facts started to shift, kind of like icebergs, and a new thing kind of emerged. I sometimes say that, like alternative facts. Ah. I know it's it's I don't think politicians or doctors or mathematicians should employ these sort of tactics. <laughs> but there is something kind of mythic that goes on where I'm writing a story that's inspired on what happened, but what happens is we make all these things that are far funnier, far more interesting. They're heightened. Heightened, but then they end up being 
potentially even more true. Like I'm like really getting divorced. It's all underwater. You know what I mean? It, it's very slow and it's sad. And, and there's a great potential for an indie movie in that way. We're trying to obviously make a very, very funny show and a very true show. So we heighten things. So, for example, like there's an episode where my uh, wife tells my parents like what's been happening, that she's leaving and all this stuff. And that's not at all like what happened in real life. In real life, it was a couple phone calls. You know what I mean? It right. was like it – was, it was boring. But then I'm like, but that's what it felt like. And that's when I get excited, when so, the show right. is more true than what was Because true. like the expression of the art actually has the undertones of the reality of right. what happened be- rather what, than the details. What you're doing is you're mixing and swirling my memory of this room and the wallpaper and Jabba the Hutt. Myra. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. And you're looking back and you're actually assigning a different value, but a value nonetheless on your misinterpretation and your feeling about sure. what it was. You're, you're, you're conveying the experience. Again. And the details are almost accidental and that's right. not as important as conveying. And they pop in. It's right. fun to see real things. Because you're not doing a documentary. Say. It's a scripted, right. or at least semi-scripted, I would imagine. We did a lot of improv, yeah. but a lot. I, I actually watched the, the preview or whatever, the trailer, and uh, I'm like, oh, wow, every joke that made this trailer, like a three-minute trailer, was an improvised <laughs> joke or something that we all thought of on the But set. that's what's so great is that it, it's, you know, you're in the moment. And, so much better. And, and things are coming out, you know, when you can cut down that line between the way – how you express something and it coming out. Yeah. Sometimes the most true things happen because there's no filter to censor yeah. it. And when you're writing, you're kind of constantly censoring. Yep. And uh, but when you're in, when you're in that moment and you're you feel communicating, like, yeah, you're, you're just, not writing, you're communicating. Yeah, that's so funny. Sometimes I'd be with an actor, and I'm I, I don't have that much experience with, with acting. But if someone seemed nervous, I would just be like, just just talk to me. Right. <laughs> like that was always the advice because that's what somebody said to me. They were just like, just just talk. But, but, but the experience that you have doing your podcast is so insanely valuable in so many ways that I think you don't realize until. Like my my real world conversations with people are so much better now. Yeah. Like when I went on my first date with my wife, my, the lady who's not my wife, it was <laughs> a it was really great because I sort of had this skill set that I hadn't planned on, mm-hmm. where we had this amazing conversation that I know was based around the fact that I learned how to talk to people from yeah. doing hundreds of episodes of a podcast. Isn't that funny? And, and then it you actually find somebody helped. that like clicks and merges with that perfectly, and it just sort of cut yeah. through all the chit chat, and you know we talked about very real things. Yeah, if I I would go on if I were not madly in love with Valerie, I would go on a date and try and find someone who had done the work of figuring out who they are and how to bring it out quickly and truthfully. I think that's really great. Yeah. But then something that happened in the show is there's one of the things I'm proudest of with the show is that my life. Like right now I'm sitting with you guys and I love both of you guys and I, I don't see you that often. And that's how life is and that's how life – But we text each other either once in a while when true. things pop up or you'll te- – you know, like game change or whatever. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 A lot of game change texts, yeah. which is awesome. But then like we capture that spirit on the show. So you see TJ Miller. Yeah. He's on the show. And then maybe uh, he's in a little of the next one and then maybe you don't see him right. the rest of the season. Or like how Matt and I are on the show. Oh. Ah! Wait. Like, That's cool. you, you did not have time to be on our show, Chris. <laughs> yeah, put it on me, Pete. Put it on me. I'll deflect. <laughs> I didn't say anything to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Pete forgot how funny I was. <laughs> Woo! Yikes. But what I learned was, like, the show was about becoming comedy duos with whoever was in the show. Right. And Judd, it's so funny... 
um, Judd and I are friends, and we also have a working relationship. And I think he doesn't want to blow too much smoke. And then we'll do press, and then I get these little the compliments. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's that's how he that's what he likes about the show. One of the things he likes about the show is we did the pilot with Artie Lang, who kills it, and Artie's in the rest of the show from not every episode, but from here and there. Uh, and then Judd was like, but whoever Pete is in the scene or the episode with, that becomes its own kind of comedy duo. Because I'm an adapter, I'm a people pleaser, I'm a listener. I know I, I yammer a lot, but I, I'm also listening and paying a lot of attention. And that's why it's fun. What's it like being with Sarah? It's a completely different Pete. Right. The fundamentals are the same. It's not like I start talking in a Jamaican accent. Well, that would be very offensive. <laughs> beer can. <laughs> um. <laughs> are you saying beer can or bacon? Uh, that's right. One of my favorite things. I you, That thing works with anybody. I was having my mom go. I was saying to my mom, say beer can in a British accent. Go, beer can. <laughs> I go, you just said bacon. Uh, I got you. Bacon Jamaican. Um, but it, it was fun to see that conveyed in life. I love shows where it's like a guy with three friends and you're like, oh, there he is with George and that's how Jerry is with George and Kramer and all these things. But like to see a bunch of different episodes with completely well, different on, vibes. But on the heels of, you know... Uh, hot on the like heels? Hot, hot on the heels of, you know, <laughs> not, I don't know how hot... But, you know, Louis and Marin and shows ah. where it's like, well, let's just take... Let's do a single camera approach of sort of a heightened version of this guy's truth, his reality. Right. And... I think those shows... And so did you... When you were pitching this show, did you sort of feel like, I don't want it to... I don't want the comparisons to be made, but obviously this is a format that's happening. Right. So... But as as someone who, you know, watches a lot of comedy, I, I feel like, oh, well, everyone has a very specific point of view and that's what makes the show different. But how was your approach different? Right. You know, it's funny. When I started doing my podcast, they were like, uh, well, that's just like Marin's podcast. And I said, uh, but it'll be me. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know it's I mean? like, well, he does stand up. Well, yeah, yeah but yeah, there yeah. are other stand ups. And that being said, Louie and Marin are huge tastemakers. And, and podcasting, especially, I think, has changed the cultural taste of wanting the whole person. Like, we want to know every detail. It's right. Just, stand up is far more personal. And it needs to be. With everybody sharing most of the asinine things about their life, you need the artists and the performers to go deeper and dig deeper. And that's certainly what Louis, I'm a big fan of Louis and the show Louis and Marin does as well, who I also uh, love. So, but the thing is, is like we knew the show was similar in some ways to Louis, but by virtue of infusing it with my faith, my divorce, the type of person I am, we knew and it did that the show would come out very, very uh, differently. And I wonder if in some senses Baskets has gotten weirdly autobiographical for Zach. Yeah. Well, it's funny, like... I, I see parallels when I watch Lord of the Rings. I'm like, this is like my life. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it doesn't have to be literal. Like, I rem- it's like when that comedy book or what, what, what are you seeing? Is it the time you threw a ring into a fire lake or rode on a tree's back? Well, that's a lot like getting divorced. I don't know. <laughs> you know that you got to do something with it. I actually thought about hucking my ring into the ocean, but a ring is a terrible thing to huck. Uh, it's the hole in the middle, you see. Jo- <laughs> <laughs> Jonah was shooting in Reno for Hidden America, and he met this guy, and this guy had a skull ring on, and Jonah <laughs> took a picture of him, and the guy goes, well, I was married three times. This is really Jonah's story, but <laughs> uh, the guy was married three times, divorced three times, had all of his rings me- melted yes. into a skull coming out of a vagina. Yes. 
And in his mind, he was like, this is going to remind me of what that was like. And everyone was like, oh, okay. The, the birth of death. Yeah, so yeah, that was like, a, like I come out with nothing, just my bones. Uh, yeah, that's it's a, pretty, a uh, rough, a r- rough estimation of... Uh, but I think, uh, <laughs> you know, in terms, of, in terms of, you know, you asked about staying grounded. I think it's is not being so goal or result-oriented. Goals are good because they provide a, a target and a pathway. Yeah. But it's about appreciate, you know, like it's 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 making it more experiential. It really is. Like it, you know, doing it. Like I was doing at midnight last night, and Kevin Nealon was on. It's like, oh, did I ever yeah. imagine a time where Kevin Nealon would yeah. willingly come play with me on my thing? And so it's taking that moment to go, oh, I don't know how much more, no matter how you know, like not monetary or anything else, how much more success I could possibly, how much more surfing need do I get to do <laughs> than to be in a professional play situation with a man that I have respected for a considerable chunk of my life? Right. Yeah. You know, it's two things. It's it's one. There's this uh, Bruce Springsteen advice piece of advice. Oh here. boy, here we go. Uh, get ready. No, he just goes uh, when something good happens, uh, go and get an ice cream. And I do that. Like when the pilot got picked up, uh, we went and got some vegan ice cream, which was very good. Don't judge. It's not really ice Don't cream. Don't judge. Don't. No, it's just vegetables. And it was ice, really ice cream. Ice cash. You got you got frozen vegetables. That's <laughs> what you got. You, that's really we went out and uh, to celebrate. We got frozen vegetables. We ate on some a, frozen vegetables on a piece of cardboard. <laughs> what you, what they didn't got. even serve it in a dish. Oh no! And it's weird. It was... They keep the cardboard in these dishes that would be perfect for the ice cream. <laughs> but we did that. I, sugar is vegan. I like to remind people. Like it was still great. Uh, so we ate that. And, you know, we kept the receipt and we hung it on the fridge. And that's nice to remember the time that Kevin Nealon was on the show. But I, <laughs> on, you know, yeah, I'm just applying yeah. it to you. I didn't confuse myself for you <laughs> for a second. Points! You know, uh, uh, when I, <laughs> when you're like, you know, when I was hosting Singled Out, I just couldn't help uh, but remember. I just loved being drunk in my I love, I love it. It was great. It was great. But I, now I, it's such a cliche, but I think part of becoming... Uh, a grown-up is realizing – is hearing the truth for the first time in cliches. You hear them your whole life and then you're kind of, what the f- – what are you right. talking about? Then you get older and you're like, it really is – it's not the destination. It's the journey. And like I think of those things as like little signposts along the way that can help us look back and feel fond and maybe even encourage us right. to keep going. Because no matter how great or exciting your life is, we all wake up in the same boat where we're like – this again. Some days you're like, this again. And some days you're like, this again. Right. It's just like, what a drag. I, we were talking about sometimes you watch a movie and people like eat and then they go out and solve problems. And then, you know, there's complications. They overcome them and they learn. Then they go to bed. And you're like, shit, that's what I'm doing. Like, you're kind of stuck in this thing. But if we can find these paths and these flows to be in, it helps with that, like, initial hurdle that we face every morning. I, and, I, and, I, and I'm building on that. I think adulthood is about accepting responsibility. Hmm. I think it's about accepting responsibility either for yourself, for your actions, when you have good days, when you have bad days, when you're nice to people, when you're addicted to people. It's yeah. owning up to whatever it is. It's surrendering. And, yeah. and, and basically saying like, yeah, that I'm a human mean. and I did this and this thing was great That's and I did I mean. it. And Because I, I, think I think you should take responsibility for when you do good things and when you do bad things. I agree. That goes back to the suffering in, in a way. That's, we're very deliberate and I, I, I always love to thank you for giving me the platform to launch. You made it weird, and it's been so important to me. You're welcome. Uh, no, you did no, it. You did all the work. You did it. I, I sure work hard at it, but you know, I still am grateful. But 
the idea was uh, I lost my train of thought because of that. But while you're th- remembering that, remember when Chelsea Peretti was going to be your co-host? Oh my god! And you and then she didn't do it because she just didn't want to leave her apartment. She didn't want to drive <laughs> to Nerdist every day. <laughs> but yeah, like Maya Angelou says, like when people tell you that's that's what they who they are, believe them. I mean, she Chelsea's did great. great, but she was like, I don't want to drive. I was like, she, I don't and, and, and her that's... everything for her worked out great. She's, oh, for she's sure, doing, she's doing amazing. But it was a good. But it's kind of funny to, to look go, back. Like that seems like something that might be hard to do a podcast right <laughs> around. That sort of <laughs> attitude. But obviously Chelsea's the best. I was going to say, oh, we leave the mistakes in. That's something that I try really hard to – I remember there's an episode where uh, you know I said uh, tranny. And I didn't know I, – I just thought that was like a slang, like calling a police officer a cop. Right. Like transvestite, you call her a tranny. Yeah, I know. You don't do that. Yeah, absolutely not. But how did I learn that? It was from the mistake. And then people – kindly corrected me but then I you know felt like when is shame useful when is it good to be like oh I, I fucked up I should right Bobcat but the idea <laughs> like recently I confused Michael Patrick Duncan Michael Clark, Michael Clark Duncan with Ving Rhames and we had a discussion on the air as to whether or not we should leave it in because it's a thing. It's not just mistaking people; it's mistaking two black people, and, and it's, it's, and it's a sort mu- of it's a much bigger issue about race relations. And, and then we just talked about it. And instead of going, there's just so much polish and horseshit. This is why I think it's in the ballpark of suffering that we go like, let's leave in some of the blemish. It's totally possible to edit the podcast. Well, that's also a down hu- to 15 tight, sexy minutes. That's you know also what I mean? a, That's also a human experience. Is that what you want? That's also a human experience <laughs> that you had that you uh, recognized that it was an issue and came away from it learning, right. okay, well, this is why this is... And if people want to eat it, and I, I, I don't keep too close of an eye on the chatter, but if people want to eat it and kick it around and regurgitate and hypothesize and, and debate and discuss, that's great. That's getting us talking about what a trip it is. Because I don't buy it. Even the nicest person makes mind mistakes. Well, also, <laughs> I, I, I just it's just unfortunate that um, – it's unfortunate that uh, forgiveness isn't clickbait. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like that's that, really nice. That it's like I just saw this whole thing happen with um, the movie A Dog's Purpose. Yeah, and I have no stake in this movie. To me, the movie looked super all, annoying. All the dogs steak. Yeah, it's just it's just like okay, the dog keeps coming back to you. You know, you know how you like seeing a dog die in a movie. Watch him do it over and yeah, over. Like yeah, it just felt yeah, so. Yeah. Th- to me, it looked like oh, this is a pandery, heavy handed. Yeah, but uh, so I have no I have no stake in this game See? at all. But this video came out on the internet, and people were very upset about the golden retriever. About about yeah. whatever happened, German Shepherd, and um, oh. and so Gavin Pallone, who's the producer of the movie, wrote this really long piece in Hollywood Reporter where he said, "Look, um, here's you know, I claim my as a producer on this movie, I claim my part in what happened. Uh, so he wasn't trying to shirk responsibility. Yep. But he said, here's what the clickbaity people." did not explain to you and this is the entire story and I'm sorry this happened but this is ex- this was cut together in this way to present this idea this one dog that was shown in one trailer was a CG dog and you know it's unfortunate that because you have to remember like with the clickbait stuff they just want traffic right your emotions are being manipulated so care. you will leave comments and traffic and that doesn't seem to bother anyone right. even though that's the most offensive thing right is manipulating people for I commerce I think that's the next thing actually but, oh, sorry but he but his point was in other people in the comment threads were like thank you for explaining this it's unfortunate that this won't be a headline on a lot of those sites yeah. that just wanted the quick hit it's and not the traffic. as juicy 
it's not it's not as juicy now. I don't know if what he was saying is true or not. I don't know if the way it was printed is true or not. But it did sort of highlight the fact that it's unfortunate that people don't really care. Like someone might take the story you had about confusing two actors and go, "Let's make a thing out of it." Yeah. Oh, fuck Pete Holmes, cancel Pete Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't boycott his show, right? Because that's again moral high grounding. It allows us to feel like we're doing something. It allows us to. There's an acceptable amount of anger release. Yeah. But Whipping it, boys down. But in the end, if it came out like, you know, it was an honest mistake, he was sorry about it, he didn't mean he learned from it, it'll never happen again. <laughs> yeah. A a fraction of the people that were angry would go, hey, man, thanks for owning up. The rest of people have already moved on, and in yeah. their minds, you're yeah. a fucking dick, and that's yeah, it. I know. And so it's unfortunate that 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 as a society, we're not more forgiving of people making human mistakes when, when the intention is not to – like, you're feeling the weight of a lot of things that you didn't do. Yeah. As opposed to just like, hey, you know, sometimes we fuck up and sometimes we do well, dumb that's things. What's and, and as long as you take responsibility for those things and go, this happened, I fucked up, I'm real sorry about right. it, I genuinely am sorry. I didn't even, you don't go like, oh, they're both bald. You just go like, right. I fucked up, yeah, that, that yeah. was a mistake, I'm embarrassed. And, right. and you try to learn from it and move on. But when that gets polished out of people, I think we're losing, you're losing your shadow. I'm interested in the shadow. And I like walking with my shadow. I like talking to it and acknowledge it. Look yeah. at reconstructive surgery. Like everyone is morphing into some weird blow-up doll <laughs> because they're trying to like, oh, sure. you know, it's like, yeah, but the but the lines mean you've lived and those make yeah. you interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not having a perfectly, you well, know. That's a great uh, Native American say where no wise person ever wished to be younger. We just have this thing. This is also a Ramdas idea. It's like we have this idea in our, our culture that when the leaves turn uh, red, we have to go out and like paint them green. It's like, right. ah, 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 nothing's happening here. But when you're when per- everything around you is dying and being regenerated and dying and being regenerated. But when you're like, performing, would you rather, how many more special moments have you had when you have a set where you nail everything exactly the way you intended it That's to it. versus something happens, a, you know, a mic, the mic cable falls off, someone, you know, like agree. something happens in the audience, you stumble over something, you knock something over, and then that becomes such, the, like, the most special, because it's, yeah, it was part and of a wanted, shared experience that makes it unique. You know, it's, okay, so this goes back, and I don't, I'm not trying to convert you on this point, this goes back to me sometimes asking for suffering, because when I'm doing a set sometimes, I'm in a nice role, and it feels great, and you could just keep going, but it's sometimes nice to stop and you go to zero and then you're just like, this is what we would miss if if this were on TV, this moment would be edited. Right. Out. And you go – and then I always say, this is the only part of the show you'll remember. That's it. So, and, it and I'm right. I remember those moments myself. I'm causing tension to feel alive. Do you think it's okay to say that I don't think it's good to wish for some suffering but when you receive it, it's a gift? Yeah, there you go. I just think that's semantics. I think when we say pray, I don't look at prayer as a list of things you'd like. I look at prayer as just kind of more like contemplation, I guess. And do you view, you know, your, you know, what you have left of your religious beliefs? Yeah. Are, are, how do you view? How do you view it? Do you sort of do you when you're praying or when you're, you know, when you're expressing something? Are you expressing it? To the universe, is it specifically a is it specifically a a, a god construct? Is it specifically a, what what is it? Yeah, no, I I try to you know it's funny. Religion means like ligio comes from like ligament mm-hmm. and re ligament. It's like reattaching. 
this brilliant point that, again, I'm going to quote the same people because I love like the five same people. They talk about religion being anything that unifies. Religion, everybody says I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. And I know what they mean, and I would say that. But I would also say if that's our definition, I'm deeply religious. I'm into love over fear. I'm into connection It's just the, 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 the version of religion that we have now yes. is essentially spirituality with politics attached sure, to it. Exactly. And, and I think that's sort of the commonly accepted. And I don't mean to oh, oversimplify I... and, and, and tell anyone their faith isn't. I just mean it's kind of like man's rules. There's an infrastructure with each religion. Well, it's, I'm going to quote Bono. Are you ready? <laughs> He goes, religion is the church after Jesus leaves. Like, so Jesus leaves the temple. That's what's And left. he's deeply religious. He's deeply religious. He's right. not – he's saying spirituality is probably when Jesus was in the temple talking to you. And everybody knows what that feels like. Even if you don't add a narrative to it, which is what a lot of mystics and people like me like to do, tell you what's happening and what it means. Even if you're just a hardcore materialist, you know – when the, when something is flowing, when something feels real and it resonates in a way that's a little bit outside of your reason, it, it, it doesn't get trans. It doesn't take the elevator down well to your language, and you go like, "Well, that was really cool." I'm not even talking about miracles. I'm talking right. about moments where people get snapped into things, um, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm about. I don't. I used to be like. Really like, oh, you're stupid. You believe in a man in the sky. And now I'm kind of like, you can take whatever metaphor you'd like. Uh, I do like that nobody's ever killed anybody over a metaphor. There's something a little bit removed from it. You go, this is my method. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to box your method and fight your method. And it's okay for your method to hurt you too. Like I've been saying a lot lately, like, my church, my churching from, um, you know, a short standpoint, I was like, oh, it failed me. It, it blew. It wasn't true. It wasn't real. But it's kind of like those hits that it gave me, it, like the Leonard Cohen song, are how the light started to get in. Like the losing of the faith and the suffering through the betrayal of your method is all part of the method, if that right. makes yeah, sense. Yeah, of course. Like it's kind of like, oh, you learn these things and then you learn that they're maybe not literally true or maybe this was this and this was switch and this was switch. I didn't know that the game was so well constructed that for the, for the diligent, there's still a path through all that bullshit to something that's actually authentic. So when I pray, I'm praying to awareness. I'm praying to the same awareness that's in you, that's in me, that's in everything, that's everywhere. And I'm really trying to trip out on that idea that it's one thing thinging itself. Right, because I had a very, um, you know, my, my upbringing was Catholic. My yeah. mom's Italian Catholic. Are you watching Young Pope? I'm not yet, but I want. I will. Makes uh, me want to be Catholic. My, Myra too had Catholic <laughs> upbringing. I was like, ah, I want to wear these clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Catholic as well. But it's sort of that you know that that construct to me. You know, so much of it when I reflect back just feels like, oh, you know, it felt like in the early days religion was sort of an outcropping of, of obsessive compulsive disorder, mm. where there was a you know, it's like if I perform this series of rituals, uh, I will be okay. If I stand and kneel and stand and kneel and say this and chant this and chant this, everything will be okay. If I wash my hand, you know, yeah. and I don't say that to belittle anyone's faith but i but I, but to me uh that you know the those rules don't seem to like that's where i kind of have a hard time oh, yeah. with the critical thinking versus the well how do i re- how would i reconcile 
that doing all these things makes all of that okay, just like trying to control an uncontrollable world. Yeah. And so how do you – so that's why I ask because I'm sure that there are people who say, wow, I feel like there's something bigger, but I also feel like I, it's difficult for me to accept something that I can't see and touch and feel yeah. or not or see and touch and experience in that way. Right. So how do I – you know, I guess it's advice for people who feel maybe on the fence. How, how do you – how would you express that idea of like reconciling both of those things? I, I, I really do. When I look at somebody who is like, that's not for me, I was right that you, that, that's not for me, I wasn't, I was raised that way, but I don't, I reject it now. Then I see somebody else still in the cathedral chanting the Lord's Prayer or whatever. I just see two versions of the same thing playing it out in different ways. Sure. Ideally, you're both looking for truth. And we know what truth feels like, and we know what love feels like, and we know, uh, what, like we're saying, when we're on our authentic paths or whatever. So it doesn't really matter to me. To me, it's about what gets you there. Right. And I think no God is a, is a great God. You can, like the Buddhists meditate and contemplate the void, you know what I mean? So when people are like, I don't have a God, I'm like, that's a great way to, to think about it. We're all just trying to get where the juice is, and if that snaps you into the moment – without some sort of story, something watching, something judging, something adding meaning and value to things. I would say about the people that are chanting, something that I never understood. I used to pray because I was like, this this will come true, like a wish, right. Aladdin style. <laughs> and now I oh. I mean, oh, 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 that was tight. Oh, speaking of tight, what, what are you doing later? This is where he fucked Aladdin. It was in oh, a right. weird... Oh, right. Because for a second there, I yeah. thought you were uh, doing a, a Bono. You said, what was he doing later? <laughs> um, Bono but, genie. But the Aladdin's... Now you can say, like, repeating something over and over, I did it this morning, is very calming to your prefrontal cortex. It, it just shuts down the over-analytical part of your mind and, and gives you a, a deep sense of I peace. I also do think there is value in putting something into the physical universe that was in your head, whether that be writing it down, whether For it's sure. a goal, whether it's an emotion, here's or whether it's the, something. Here's the clusterfuck. Like, we are in the age Not of- like the secret, but I just mean in terms of being able to change something from a series of chemical reactions into, like, this is, man, I'm, this is a, real thing, a real thing that I want to strive for. Yes, what I was going to say as a clusterfuck is we're in the age of reason, and I love it. And it gave me my phone, and it gives us bridges, and it gives us vaccines. Well, I don't think we're in the age of reason at all. And MRIs. I agree with you, but you know what I'm saying. I'm right. saying outside of all that stuff, you can't take away that we go to the moon. I, I don't mean that from a political <laughs> standpoint. I mean I think there are more people now that uh, are not reason that, that there are and Chris, less reason. That, that's actually my point. We've lost our great mythologies. And I'm not saying we need to go back – we used to have stories for everything, and they weren't literally true, so we threw them away. And now we are a depraved society. And I don't mean religiously bankrupt. I mean we don't have as good of places that were taught to us by elders around campfires. That's the clusterfuck is we've done so good at splitting atoms and all that practical stuff. But we've lost that ability to appreciate things Man in his symbols, like Young's book. It's like we love attributing meaning to external things. We're always trying to say, I made this clay ashtray and that's what it feels like inside of me. Right. Like we're so lost internally and we're doing pretty good externally. And I think it has a big thing. To, like look at the – like Native American culture was a thriving, beautiful thing. Deeply, deeply mythical, a lot of oral traditions and stuff. And this is why I'm fascinated with people like Joseph Campbell that are like – We've lost – like I even – this isn't a vegan thing, but we've lost a narrative to reconcile how everything we eat is living. 
You know, even if it's plans. And that I think that adds to a certain feeling of uneasiness in everybody all the time, subconsciously. And then capitalism and, 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 the, and the poor and the marginalized and everybody getting aside, we need to have stories that can help end well, those we things. We need and, stories to process things because I, process. I think, you know, you know, 200 years ago, you had a much different life. You, you know, you didn't travel very far. You were kind of in your own little thing. Right. And Tell that to Moses. Hey, right. <laughs> 200 years ago. But, you know, I, I think... <laughs> How dare you? I believe the earth is 400 years old. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I made that clear. Prove it. Prove it otherwise. But, um, but I think that, uh, you know, a, a, a part of, I think, a, a religion is is stories that we need to understand things that we don't understand. Yeah. And so I see that happening now because obviously the, the, the internet has essentially localized what was pr- previously a global community is now everything is a local community. Mm. And there's so much to process. And like I said earlier, it's like sorting and shifting and shortcutting and sorting without seeing all the facts that people also need to weave stories like there's so much, there's so much more conspiracy theory now mm-hmm. and i you know like you know the the stupidest example is uh you know like when something happens on the walking dead that people don't like i look at the message boards and people go we well, you know why this happened because the network said this and then this person said this and they told the creator and they're just yeah. trying to fuck people and it's like none of it's true yeah. but they need to believe or like you know with with the way the election turned out. It's like, well, here's a million reasons why this ha- people need That's some why, sort of a story, yeah. whether or not it's true, to understand, to try to process and something. And it's dang- – there is no I don't know button. Right. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't write our own stories. I'm saying uh, – so, I'm agreeing with you completely. And something is lost when the old people aren't telling us the stories that help them get – now the old people are just like, oh, you guys are fucked. Exactly. Yeah. Because they were probably starved mythically as well. And that's what's so strange is these stories – it's not like, oh, I need to brush my teeth. I need to get enough water and food. Like one of the fucking weird things about being stuck inside of these machines or whatever you want to call them. This is a Westworld plug, by the way. <laughs> um, but being stuck in these machines is we have actual tangible needs that have for story, for symbol – for art, for expression, that have tangible repercussions if you don't meet those needs. One of them is a disregard for the environment. Like, that would be happening less if we lived in a society that had terms like Mother Earth and, and, you know, now that's like hippie bullshit. That used to be very normal to go, this is the Earth, this is our mother, this is important, this is what we do for her, this is why we don't kill all the buffalo. Right. This is why we don't build factory farms and slaughter pigs by the thousands and throw away how many of the Well, purposes. we're just, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, at one point, people were focused on things that were very big uh, yeah. in the world around them, and I feel like now... We're small. We're also driven by our own egos. Yeah. You know, all, you know, social media, whatever it is, it's all such, it's all ego-driven. Right. Even I think when people are angry about something that's a cause again moral high grounding most of the time i feel like that's more about their own egos sure because i think when people really care about something i held up my sign every time i saw a camera <laughs> at, the, at the women's march i was like there's a guy with a big lens i'm gonna go viral yeah, at least you admit that <laughs> of course um, but i think i think you know <laughs> I think when people really care about, and I'm not applying this to the to the march. Please, I'm talking please. about like online when people get very up, angry about stuff, and their first response is anger. I sort of feel like, oh, you just want to be angry, and that's an ego pursuit. Mm-hmm. Because if you really care about this thing, you would be having a conversation. Right. And social media doesn't lend itself to conversations. Well, it that's lends another itself part. to emotional outbursts. Yeah, we can throw shit more. So how do we? 
you know, say, okay, you and I don't agree on something. You tell me why you feel the way you do. I will tell you the way I feel. Mm -hmm. Can we find common ground? Or if not, can we at least respectfully say, well, I completely don't agree with what you're saying, but at least we're human beings that we can go away without having to rip each other's eyes out. And you know what's funny? That actually goes back to your question to me about what I believe now. There's a really valuable thing in when when you start seeing God in everyone. You know what I mean? It's the idea that when I'm talking and listening to you, you have more compassion and more understanding and a little bit of a zoomed out perspective where you're just like, there's me. There's me if I was raised this way and this way and this way. Like I look back, I was a registered Republican because I thought that's what Christians did. So I turned 18 and I registered Republican. I don't even remember how I voted or if I voted, but I probably would have voted Republican for that first young election just because I was uninformed and didn't know. And everybody I knew was like, look, this is about pro-life or pro-choice. This is about dying children or however it was sold to me. So I was like, of course you vote Republican. So when someone – I'm not very political. I'll tweet something like, don't you feel like the country needs a safe word? Like I still kind (laughs) of – I feel like it's so ridiculous that I'm just waiting for someone to be like – Those are comments on humanity and not so much about – I, I, yeah, that's yeah. true. But I've, I've been – I'll post like a quote from Trump. I don't even comment on it. And then people will lash out at me and it's easy. That's, that's not religious. That's not unifying. If I go, this guy says fuck you and I'm like, well, fuck you. I see it all as the same thing. Here's a better example. The day after Trump won, I was at Meltdown. I was doing a show and there was someone backstage and she was having basically a meltdown, which I understand. We were all traumatized. A lot of us were traumatized, didn't sleep very well. And now we have to do a comedy show. And she's acting like, you know, the world was going to end. And I said, you know, the the air isn't on fire. We're all still here. We're going to figure it out. And she was like, the terrorists are going to test him. The terrorists are going to test him. And in that moment, I was like, oh, if Hillary had won and if I was in a room in a a red state, like a deeply conservative state, we would have been comedians or whoever, people having coffee, panicking and saying the terrorists are going to test her. Sure. The terrorists are going to test her. And that was just a good moment to be like, shit. Like it's all – happening from all these unique perspectives. I look at it like software. This is another Ram Dass thing. We're all in these things and you have your awareness and that's kind of like what we have in common. Your DNA, your conditioning, the way you were raised and your experiences are your software and it keeps changing how you behave. But essentially we're all the same. And that's the thing that talk about a thing that you hear your whole life and sure. then you don't believe it until you're wise. But that 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 is kind of brought me back to that well, idea. Well, I I you know Sometimes I sometimes I really would like to sometimes I say to myself, boy, it's too bad I don't have religion mm. because I you know, certainly with a, an addict's brain, I obsess over dumb things. I I create drama over minute things and I know a lot of the time I'm full of shit. Mm. You know, I know I know that I am and I say that to my wife like I know I'm full of sh- you know, like I I just I stopped going on social media when I'm around her because if something affects me, I know that my brain, I know that I'm not evolved enough to go, eh, huh. I don't know who that person is. You're that. now less there. And it creates and, – and it, and it makes me less of a good partner to her. She doesn't deserve that. Like she's just there to be goodness and light and happiness <laughs> and I should be goodness and light and happiness for her yeah. and not like fanning – that stupid stress. So I know, yeah. you know, I know what my, you know, I know what a lot of my, but my that's issues why are. I think it's so lovely. Like 
old Pete would have to sit here and quietly hope that you would come to Christ. Right. And that was a burden. Old Pete. Old Pete. And I really mean young Pete. And that was a heartbreaker for me. And now I, you know, Richard Rohr is somebody I keep bringing up. He talks about, like, if a brain surgeon is going around healing and saving children, he's like, yeah, it would would be cool if he gave the glory to God afterwards. Right. But either way, that's God's work. So when I hear about you, just like me, struggling with your neuroses, and you actually set a very relatable example, I'll be with Val, who is light and love and joy, and I'll see something online that makes me grumpy. I'm like, what am I doing? Right. Well, that wasn't religious. That wasn't unified. That wasn't reuniting us. You know what I'm saying? So I look at you, and I don't have the burden I go, me and Chris are doing the same thing. A lot, you know, we're looking for that feeling. We're looking for peace. I really, I used to be chasing salvation and now I'm chasing a type of freedom. Like, I don't want to be right. I want to be free. Right. If that makes sense. Well, can I interest you both in a book called Dianetics? <laughs> Dianetics actually isn't bad. It's the oh, other ones God, that get geez. sideways. Okay. Here we go. No, no, no. That's, that's not, I haven't read Dianetics I haven't read and I, I don't care. But it, <laughs> if you love the movie The Master like I do, you'll did you see The Master? No. Shit, it's so good. Okay, I'll go see it. PTN. It's not one of the, I don't think it's one of those movies that people are like, you didn't see it? But it's so good. But it's uh, loosely based on Scientology or pretty heavily based. Book one was the one that hippies loved, uh, business people loved. It was a huge bestseller because it was essentially like a retelling of basic common sense right. uh, self-help with some fun self-hypnosis stuff in there. Right. Again, I'm so afraid of, of that kind of group and uh, all the documentaries and I'm obsessed with cults and I, I love the dirty stuff. But there was a time like Seinfeld talked about taking Scientology courses when it was just Dianetics. Right. A lot of these like – meditating, mushroom-taking. They went after those people. And then book two comes out, and book two kind of changes everything, and that's what The Master is about. I've, oh, man, there was something that I wanted to bring up, and I just need to backtrack a little bit to get my train of thought, because there's still it's okay. a million things fired off in one direction. <laughs> and now we're, we're talking, talking about Diane. I was talking about, I was talking about um, you know, obsessing over dumb things and not being a good partner because mm-hmm. I was obsessing over dumb things. What was my fucking... You were saying, I wish I had religion sometimes? I wish I had religion sometimes so I could let all of that go. You know what's... Yep. Yeah. I would... Maybe this will help you remember. What's so interesting to me, and Ramdas is is a huge teacher... Oh, I know what it was. Boom, so hit it. I'm so sorry. I'm glad it came back. I feel like my religion now... Ah, this is going to sound so wishy-washy, so I apologize for the way this sounds. It's Sometimes it's difficult. You know, you can't mash all of your emotions into a couple of words. Yeah, sure. Um, I, that was the subtitle I don't, of it's the not that I have faith in. It's not that I have faith in a religion. What I feel like I want to have faith in is humanity. And I don't just mean like, man, all the people get together, love each other. I mean like, like really being human, being imperfect, making mistakes, forgiving each other. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand someone else's story, even if I completely don't agree with anything that they say. Because honestly, there are liberals who are douchebags, and there are Republicans who are nice people. Right? You can't like this idea where it's so binary, where it's like you got to be all this or all. Or, and if you don't agree with people, now seem to think if you don't agree with a hundred percent of what they agree with, fuck you, well, you're the enemy. That's why and I, I don't subscribe to that. I believe like there's humanity in everyone, and everyone's trying to do what they think is best. But that's why my fantasy is. Always, even if I see the least relatable, let's say Donald Trump, 
the least relatable person to me. I mean, literally, like, yeah, the guy that was like every bully in every 80s movie. Yeah. Be like if Revenge of the Nerds, like if the Alpha Beta's won and the nerds were like, yeah. oh, I guess we just lost our house. Exactly. But so take somebody that you don't, that I personally don't relate to. My, I haven't had this fantasy for Donald Trump. My fantasy is always give him LSD and just like, <laughs> and just be like, don't very, you see? Very specific. Very Donald. Specific. And play some sweet music and he'll be like, it's about love. And he just starts crying, <laughs> holds a press conference and apologizes. Oh, that's like 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 how uh, the the one guy from uh, Mad Men like, d- yeah. like trips and then he has a completely Roger like Sterling. Life, Sterling. Yeah. That happened to a lot of people. I would love if I could guarantee that that because uh, Karen, Kil- uh, not Karen Kilgore, Lori Kilmartin did my podcast and she was like, he'd probably be like, we need to build the wall to keep these gnomes out <laughs> which, is, which is really funny They're trying to take our gold yeah exactly. <laughs> this is my part of magical gold um what were we saying you were saying trump is the most oh, opposite person my fantasy is always if i was stuck on a deserted island with them or on a long road trip with them just take somebody let's take trump out of it because it's just too too much but if, if it's somebody that you really disagree with on almost every issue fine now you're on an island and it's just you two together I just feel like that's why we love stories, movies, and books about that. Unlikely odd couples seeing that if you could shed all of society yeah. and all of – like I'm saying, we're straightening each other's costumes and believing everything is very real and how dare Molly say that to you. If you could put all that aside and just be two people together, everybody knows you'd find some way to get along. Right. It's the game that complicates everything. So Emily Gordon had a great answer when I was like, what is God to you? She said, when you see someone like on a bicycle or something get get knocked over by a car. Hang on. Before you start, can you just open the door and ask those guys to not be talking right there? <laughs> hey, we're recording in here. Can you guys, do you mind keeping it down just a hair? I'm so sorry. So sorry. <laughs> I have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> oh. Hey. <laughs> She's Emily Gordon, when I asked her about God, she said when somebody gets knocked off their bicycle by a truck or something and then a group of strangers gather around and someone's calling 911, someone's helping the guy, someone, frankly, is consoling the guy in the truck who didn't see the bike, that was God to her. So it reminds me of your answer. Yeah. None of us know. You know what I mean? Right. And that's kind of a beautiful thing. Do you want to talk about a human moment? Please. These guys doing nothing wrong. Just talking outside the door. Yeah. But this moment where I'm super locked into you and everyone's like, hey, can you not do that? Like, yeah. why would I expect that they would know That's that funny. standing outside, they shouldn't be talking in the open air? Yeah. And so that was a perfect example of a moment where I just had like a dickhead moment. Like, this is why it feels... Because so, I could have said, hey, I'm so sorry. Do you guys mind if you... No, no, no. But I'm like, hey, come on. Because I'm so locked in on what you're saying. I did not expend the this politeness is, energy. This and is, so... Yeah, I should now go, I should go apologize. I don't yeah. think so. No. Let's all go together. Ah, I think you're okay. But why does reconciliation feel so good? That's one of the instincts that we have. And it's, it, relief. It, it's relief. It's relief and, relief and it, it's balance. And I it's, love it. And it's, and, and I'm saying that's a hint. Inside. When you don't have it, it sort of feels like there's poison in the world. Here's one of the things that blew my mind. Uh, I forget who said it. It doesn't really matter. Um, I guess it matters to them. George Harrison. It was George Harrison. Uh, it wasn't. But someone said, hate is a lack of imagination. And I think that's brilliant. So it's like when you really hate somebody, let's say I hate my imaginary friend Dan because he's an asshole. Anybody that takes time to consider Dan's reality, like not just empathy but compassion, really employing your writer uh, for the Goldberg's brain. 
and thinking about what their life might be like. And you can do this with Trump. Trump is tricky. But you can do it for anybody that you're mad at. You realize that you're just not working hard enough. David Foster Wallace, in his speech, he, he gave this amazing uh, graduation speech for a college called um, This is Water, I believe. Or What is Water? I think it's This is Water. And he tells this story about being on the highway and being pissed off at all the SUVs cutting him off. And then he writes this beautiful couple pages about how he had to check himself because he doesn't know that woman that rudely cut him off might be new to the SUV and the SUV might be all but prescribed to her by her therapist because she was in a traumatic car accident and she doesn't feel safe on the road. And that's what I mean about considering humanity. And it's funny that – you know, that's I, God. It's funny that I say, but that's what you say. Yeah. I, I, I say uh, we can use a different word. That's love. That's that's compassion. But it, you know, it's kind of, and it's also kind of well. So first of all, for me to say like I really believe in humanity, and then two guys are interrupting thing. I'm like, hey, can you not do that? Like they're mad. I didn't. I didn't you consider didn't, their humanity. And, but it can go both ways. Wouldn't it be right. great if you went out and they were like, you know, I, we're, we're, you're in a tricky position, and uh, you were recording. No, it's totally fine. But but <laughs> but and also, so you say God, and then I go, well, that's what you. You're, that's your word. I feel like. We forget that words fail wor- – words are such a small part of our experience. Mm-hmm. And I think we often take for granted like, oh, we all speak the same language. Yeah. No, we use the same words. Yeah. Everyone speaks an individual language. So yeah. you know, usually when people are like, I'm offended that you said blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, you're offended. That's your problem because that's your definition of that word. Yep. So when you say God, you are p- picturing – Love whatever you feel. I'm picturing like, oh, you mean a guy with a beard? Yeah. And so that's why I go, well, I don't. That's no, not I that get word. it. And so that's where so much of it is because we don't even have. You know, it used to drive me crazy. I was a philosophy major. It used to drive me crazy to see like the, um, like the smoking trench coats outside Dodd Hall at UCLA because they were all uh-huh. always the guys who are you know who would say like, how do I know a table is the same table that you see? You know, and uh-huh. I would go, fuck, that's so annoying. But it legitimately has such a profound effect on how we communicate because oh my God. we put we put every I put everything you say through my lens and I go how could you say that right. but that's not but that's not your intention right. that's just my lens because yep. that's all I have yep everybody's a mirror so it's just bouncing back what's already going on inside well the of you. good news is it. That we figured it all out. <laughs> Someone's going to be like, oh, listen to these two white guys with money. Boy, thanks for all the advice, you unrelatable twats. I, but I, I do. The good news is that Jason Sklar both loves and hates what Pete said. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep callback. What did he say verbatim? He said, I both love it and hate it. Actually, I appreciate it in a weird way. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sure. Okay. He's torn like the eggs that formed them. He, hey, uh, come on, just. But he also is like, well, we're not the same guy. See, I my lack of imagination. Imagination is just another type of empathy. <laughs> I suppose. Like, yeah. Take it. It's one of my. I. But to your point, there's a whole bevy of people, and I was one of them for a very long time. God, Christ, Buddha, Krishna, any of those words, and I was just kind of out. If you want to go through the whole journey with me, you just have to start at episode one of the podcast, and then you can be that guy and come to potentially, right. if you follow me, not like follow me, but if you go on the same route as I do, suddenly you just go like, I'm fine. These are the words that – this is the vocabulary I was handed. That's why I think like – and I, I don't mean to be an advocate for psychedelics, but when you take mushrooms, you have a profound feeling of there's no way to explain this. So, but it's a chemical reaction. No, I understand. I'm not saying it's anything else. No, I know, but I mean, like, doesn't that create sort like afterwards? 
sort of like why it's hard for me to talk to drunk people because I go, well, this isn't a real experience because you've you it's you've buffered it with a fake thing to stimulate a certain part of your brain that wouldn't be stimulated otherwise. Right. And so none of this is actually real because it's it's well, that's interesting. That that is assuming that the way that the brain, uh, yeah, and I'll agree with you. The way that the brain functions normally is what we consider real. Oh, well, I I do. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's not fair for me to put my definition on. I'm room, with you, but, but that, isn't isn't it interesting to for a moment, like your annoying smoking trench coat friends, go like, oh, this is this is the this is what we see. We don't see ultraviolet rays. We don't see microwaves. All these things that we keep discovering that are real that we're not seeing. So then you take something like mushrooms and you're like, wow, this is insane. Whether or not that's a valid experience or however we want to categorize it, it is valuable to me because you go this like a religious experience, like a rapturous experience, whether it be music or sex or something that happened uh, in the ocean that just really moved you. I saw I saw a whale once and it was completely uh, transcendent. It was it was not speakable. Mushroom. Hello, Pete. <laughs> You're the only one who can hear me. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Um, but it's valuable to have experiences where language fails you because you realize just how incomplete speaking is. The swirls and the weirdness of who you are, we're both doing our best to convey that, to bring the, outs- the insides out. But it always comes up short. It's like, you know, I just wrote this down the other day. It's like finding a shiny stone in the water. And then by the time you carry it to your beach blanket, it's all dry and it just looks like a fucking rock. Mm-hmm. But when you saw it, it was wet and shiny and amazing. That's what we're always trying to do. You have these experiences. You have these feelings. You have these emotions. It's insane. And then you're given five colors to paint with. I'm horny. Exactly. Exactly. Really, we have, you're scared. We have horny. We have a limited. We have a limited. We have a limited capacity to process and re-express the world around us and even remotely understand it. Yeah. And when I and when I say you know it, it really and when you do think about it, you know you're staring at that color to, that's the color of those shelves. I legitimately have no way of knowing. Yeah. If you if I go well, that's like a blue gray. I have no idea of right. what that concept means to you. So I think you know, in a pursuit of humanity and in a pursuit of trying to understand people, try to understand their language first. Yeah, understand what they understand what they mean. Like understand what well, comedians are good examples of that when saying like breaking your balls or something could be perceived as loving. You know what I mean? Right. Like if Bill Burr makes fun of me, I'm like, Bill Burr knows my name. Like I, <laughs> I just think that's like a cool thing. But people are walking around with different vocabularies. And there's some people, my father is one of them, that goes, I don't give a shit. And that's, that's great too. Like I'm not trying – one of the great things to talk about freedom that I'm looking for in my religious worldview is the, the reason to accept things as they are instead of necessarily being like, I need to change this about my father. My father is the guy who doesn't give a shit – uh, how do you know what I see as red is what you see as red? And there is a way that that's annoying. So I understand the people that are like, I'm out. I just kind of want to. That's how I was in college. I, now that I'm older, I sort of feel like, oh, yeah. I kinda, you yeah. Know. And there are experiences that we have that question, that make you question, how is it? And that's why I love stories about like miracles in India. Like you still hear like this guy lived in a cave for like seven years and he didn't eat. You'll see it on Facebook. Like he went to the hospital and he, he hadn't eaten and all these times, blah, blah, blah. Whether or not it's true, the part of my brain that it tickles is the fundamental control center that goes, talk about knowing how it is. I know that this is real. And you said it yourself. I'm going to leave this room and I'll remember this like a, like a burning piece of tissue paper. I'll only have little bits and pieces mm-hmm. of it. So what is reality? I like talking about what is reality. And I, and I like talking about what we're doing here and like 
why that's what you do when you meditate is you're trying to extricate your awareness almost like it's a cloud away from your body and you that's a that's a powerful meditation thing is to go like i'm not my breath i'm not my legs i'm not my hair and, so, i'm not the pain in my butt i'm this thing and where could that go so try not to judge people based on how you would do things yeah. you know because they're most of the time people are going to be wrong if you do that it's like well that's not how i would yeah. you know it's like if you you know, if you're used to going to a, if you go to a diner every day and there's the same server that, yeah, the same, the Fred, you know, the, the, that one, you see the, the same server there every day and then he leaves and there's a new server, you know, it's not really fair to go when they go, you order something and they bring it differently and you're like, right. well, that's not, that's not how uh, Alonzo did it. Right. It's a, you it's, know, it's like, well, yeah, well, this is how this person, and you need to not judge them based on how you see things, but. How do that? What do they mean? Like, try to, and yeah. it's just hard to understand because we just don't have the ability to process and understand everything now because there's just so much of everything. But do what you can. And I yeah. honestly, I have to go to rehearsal, but I, <laughs> I do. I do. We have our, we're doing a show. I was just going to talk about Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have time for that. Um, but uh, but I will say one thing about that. Sure. It's like when we're clinging to how it should be, we're missing how it is. So when you go to the diner and there's a different person, in a dream you'd have a quiet appreciation and even bordering on fascination with how it was instead of what's what's owned and what's deserved and what's correct. That's why I don't want to be owed or deserved or correct necessarily. I want to be free. I want to be in fully what is. And that to me is what it's about. And that's the perfect message for the ending of the podcast, which is enjoy your burrito and live in your present yeah. and keep it crispy. Ah. Enjoy your crispy burrito. Enjoy your crispy... This was a game changer. Thanks so much for having me, Oh, man. my God. I adore you. And Can I, I do I love, At Midnight? Of course you can. <laughs> no, no. I mean right now. Yeah, just come up host <laughs> In it. this shirt. Yeah. Ah, but, uh, I was working on my car. But I'm proud of you, and, I'm, Thanks, and, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. I just mean... I, I love that you were able to come out of an experience, create something new... Because it's such a great lesson for, hey, whatever you think is the thing that just might have ended your life, yeah. set the table for a thing that's around the corner. Yeah. That if you're able to process it properly yeah. and view it properly and learn from it will be the thing that actually, you know, the show you might go, oh, my God, if I hadn't had that shitty experience, yeah. I wouldn't have this amazing experience right. now. Right. So always know. I remember that time like Mulaney with Oh, Hello. He was like, this is the fun, the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. And it came off the canceled sitcom. Well, and I don't know if, you know, with the podcast, for, with starting the podcast, it was coming off a job that I was devastated that I didn't get. Yeah. The day after my dad died, I met the woman that I would eventually marry. Yeah. I mean, it's like you never know. When you're standing in the darkness, you never know. You don't have the perspective to see where the light's going to come from. Yeah. But it's going to come. But it's going to come. Well, you from mean somewhere. that girl, and you just. This is what I mean by we know what truth and love and beauty is. You're you're lost in the woods, and when you meet that woman the day after your dad dies, you smell a campfire. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's primal, but you're like, oh fuck. Right. And that's that's what gives me the chills. That's what I want to be the ambassador. Joy. The and ambassador of chills and light and chills. <laughs> With a Z. Yeah, with the ambassador Z. of chills. Yep. That's, yeah. that's what I want to do. And, and, and Pete Holmes, put a dollar sign on the S. Yeah, and of you're course. Good. You're good to go. Keisha stole that from me. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Pete Holmes. February 19th. February 19th crashing. crashing. HBO. Hope you like it. You can watch my comedy special right now on HBO, which is called Faces and Sounds. Fantastic. And you made it weird. 
on the Nerdist. We are made it really weird. Uh, Katie Levine also on that podcast. Matt Myra, thank you for being here. You're welcome. I'm glad I got to enjoy. This, I love having. Uh, I love looking across the table and seeing you here. A lot of uh, you guys are getting real heady while I was gone. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> so we can get a little full of ourselves sometimes. No, I mean, no. is this what the podcast has become? No. Yeah, just I a satellite. Think... You made it weird. What, you mean more boring and less jokes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, you guys. Enjoy oh, your nervous. boring burrito. Enjoy your, I guess, <laughs> crispy heads. I guess if you like it that way. <laughs> How do I know what you say is crispy is what I say is crispy? <laughs> it's all one thing. The burrito is the burrito is God. <laughs> that was awesome. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop popcorn. Imagine this. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels. A symphony of just three simple ingredients. Popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.